Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 172, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek, as you might have guessed from the decor. (laughs) This is a family-friendly show in both language and content, although do be aware we drink alcohol on the show. If you're drinking along with us, go ahead and uh, let us know what you're drinking in the chat, and we will give some early show shout-outs as we go along. Our su- all Super Chats are read on the air, so long as they meet those family-friendly criteria. And if you want to take part in the Super Secret Chat and the even more Super Secret After Party, think about joining the Patreon or Floatplane. Links are both down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with me, Rhett, John, Steve, all the hosts over here at Talking Heads, and keep the conversation going with the awesome community over there. Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome to the show, Jeff. <laughs> Does anybody ever welcome you to your own show? Uh, you know, I don't know. They always say hi, Jeff, but they never say how's Jeff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Rhett? I'm doing all right. But things doing getting back right. to normal over in your neck of the woods? A little bit. You know, there, there's things here and there. Um, yeah. the, the return to normalcy slows down with the return to work yes things like that so that's always such a pain um but you know honestly considering the week i had last week i'm i'm order of magnitude better so yeah (laughs) why is zoom giving me a layover for suggest audio settings you can hear me i I can hear you we're just fine i don't know i don't know who knows uh anyway there we are yeah getting back to normal uh there's there's some things that are not normal around here still. There's uh, piles of boxes in our garage. There's uh, still trash to go out from, from everything. We have to hold on to everything that we're claiming for insurance. And so there's just garbage bags full of soggy crap all over the downstairs here. It's it's a little ridiculous sometimes, but uh, we're, we're slowly getting there. Girls' rooms are getting put back together. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting there. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, anyway... As I mentioned, if you've never seen the show before, welcome. Uh, and uh, I think we'll start off, number one, by cracking a beer, which we always do, but also with a little bit of a, of a somber note. And that is, it was officially announced yesterday that Awesome Hardware is going off the air. Uh, so, Paul, Kyle, uh, I, I guess this beer's for you. Well, maybe not this beer, because this one's okay, but maybe the second beer will be for you guys. Uh, I, I want to toast you off properly. But... Uh, I mentioned on Paul's announcement video that in the very early days of craft computing, when I was renting a studio space above John's bar, uh, when I was up there editing in like this echoey empty office uh, and like had no idea what I was doing and Premiere was giving me fights and and I'm like, God, I look terrible on camera and this is never going to (laughs) work. While I was doing that, uh, for basically the entire three months that I was in that space, uh, I had awesome hardware on every Tuesday night and and watching that content and going, you know what? Keep pushing, keep pushing. You're, you're not there, but you might get there. And uh, it, it was genuinely inspiring to to watch those guys and aspire to what they did. And uh, so Paul, Kyle, not like you guys are going anywhere, but it is a little sad to see awesome hardware go. And so uh, 
the second beer is for you. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rhett, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm already halfway through. I, I made a, a gin and tonic. Oh, uh, it's not I cocktail a, month yet. <laughs> I needed a cocktail, man. <laughs> I needed a cocktail. Yeah, I, you have those days where like I start crashing at like mm-hmm. 2 p.m. and then you just kick it to the finish line, and yeah. then you know you get the kids to bed and you do all this. And it's like beer ain't gonna cut it. I gotta yeah. start with a cocktail. <laughs> nope, I, I I know those nights entirely well. Uh, today. Well, for those who don't know, March is going to be cocktail month. There will be nothing but cocktails here on Craft Computing. The entire <laughs> month of March. That's live shows, everything. So, uh, Rhett, if you're in need of some cocktail recipes or things you'd like to have on the show, let me know and we'll uh, we'll get those supplies to you. I might have to make something uh, a, a little fancier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gin and tonic was the... All I had left after I had to toss everything out in my fridge was tonic. Tonic water. And an yeah. unopened bottle of tonic. <laughs> you go, yes. So, uh, Skull, it's um, it's uh, gin from Adrift Distillery in Long Beach, Washington. Hmm. It's kind of um, Adrift. They do small batch uh, liquors. Um I'm a big fan of their whiskey, and I think I've shared it with at least Jeff. I, I don't know if you remember. It's, it was a while ago. And it, it mm-hmm. was – I enjoy it because it's – you know, you can't you can't really get it Is anywhere else. that when we else. played PlayStation all night at your house, that one? I, I probably had some then. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It was either that, that or when we went to the comedy show. It was one of the two. Yeah, I think it was around the comedy show. I, I think so, yeah. Um, but and anyway, I enjoy it. It's a free it's, time to just hang out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's one of those where it's it's like not it's something that not everybody's gonna like, and I think the gin is the same way. It's something that not everybody's gonna like, but it's unique. Um, you can only really get it one place. So anyway, a drift distillers. Um, I like it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so I am drinking uh, Kettle Beer Works, uh, the Copper Elk Amber Ale. It's a five point four percent from North Carolina, and I'm trying to remember who sent me this one and i'm drawing a blank and i apologize Uh, your name is like right here it's like it's like near the front of my brain but it hasn't like made it all the way down to my mouth so uh someone sent me and john actually like uh, a four pack each of kettle uh kettle beer works and uh the first one was quite lovely so this is their the copper elk amber ale as uh i open the can a little bit too aggressively Mm. And then the second beer for tonight is also a fan donation. And uh not to put Kettle Beer Works to uh you know to the curb, but uh there there's there's good beer that I get donated and then there's great beer that I get donated. And so <laughs> thank you very much for the Kettle Beer Works, but uh it ain't no dogfish head bourbon barrel age worldwide stout. Mm. This is beer number two. <laughs> so we're I got a beer on standby too, so when you're ready to crack that, I'll I'll crack mine. Excellent. All right, uh, we got a super chat here early on. Bazinga, five dollars. Man, man up and make a Long Island iced tea in March, uh, as in more than one. Uh, yeah, Long Island will definitely be on the list. Um, I actually have a cocktail smoker uh, on the way. It'll be here tomorrow. Uh, I we're, we're going full full bore into cocktail. Uh, uh, I've got a lot of really good recipes planned. 
Uh, and I'm going to do the cocktail review like I do the beer review at the end of all my videos. Uh, if you want the recipes and some of the live making of those, you got to subscribe to the Float Planner Patreon. Those are going to be uh, premium videos coming out this month. So Nice. Uh, they're going to be very informal. They're, they're not going to... Uh, as much as I'd love to do like a full like how to drink kind of style video because let me tell you, Greg does cocktail videos right. Uh, I, I'd love to put that kind of production value into, into those. This is going to be a little bit more vlog style or just like over my shoulder on, on my bar. Here's how I'm making this cocktail and cheers. So, but nice. it's still going to be good content. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw some B-roll in there just for fun. You're going to have to make some classic cocktails. I, I'm going to you know start I mean? the month like, with some classic cocktails, and we're going to get a little bit more exotic as the month goes on. That's kind of my I plan. say, I think it's fitting. you got to start with, like, a Sazerac. Like, That's the not a bad first idea. cocktail. Yeah. I, well, do you go with whiskey cocktail? Because Sazerac was not the first cocktail. It was the first cocktail that wasn't just the whiskey cocktail or yeah, a cocktail. Yeah, we, we talked about this uh, a couple months ago, you and I. We went really deep into the woods. Yeah. I think you can't go wrong with the Sazerac as like the first cocktail, but I think yeah. you're right. Like if you wanted to go like whiskey cocktail, you no, right. I don't think anyone's going to like go throw fists with you about it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, old fashioned is definitely on the list. We've got a couple different old fashioned variants coming up. Uh, Sazerac, uh, it, you know, I actually didn't put Sazerac on the list, but I'm putting it on there. Dang it. So yeah, you, that, I, that was I, my mistake. My mistake. I would love to see your, your take on a Sazerac. So. Yeah. So, uh, got a lot of fun stuff coming coming up and planned. So make sure you uh, you jump on. Well, just watch this channel. But uh, but yeah, jump onto the Patreon if you want to see a little bit more in depth of how I make the cocktails and bar equipment and and liquor reviews and that kind of thing. Uh, Rev missed the first message. Cracked my good beer first. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm sure they will appreciate any beer that you crack and. Uh, I'm cracking my beer for them second, and and no, I'm not going to pour any of this out. But uh, but I'm sure any beer that you crack for Paul and Kyle tonight, they will deeply appreciate. All right, uh, we got a couple of uh, beer shoutouts that I saw come in. I think did we did we? I don't people, know. People talking about Micro Center and Rip Fries and. Uh, <laughs> David Shook says Everclear and Kool-Aid. You know what? Whatever gets the job done, man. Uh, uh, Alice Osaka, Black Samurai. I, I don't know if that's a drink or... It sounds cool. It sounds cool. <laughs> uh, John Jay says Whale Pods came in today, so should be able to get you out some more of those this weekend. By the way, uh, he's he's speaking of these. So Worldwide Stout mm. comes courtesy of John Jay. So. Ooh, thank you, John Jay. Yes. Cocktail smoker, damn, haha, that's interesting. Yeah, no, if, if you've never had a smoked cocktail, they're incredible. And and I've been wanting to buy a kit for the longest time, but just like you would smoke barbecue or smoke ribs, you can smoke your drinks and you can you can infuse them with smoke. And uh, so we're going to go through a little bit of that. Jumping ahead, GI Pilot here says an absinthe rinse is required for a Sazerac. And that is something I had never seen or heard of until I was watching uh, Amy Schumer's cooking show. Mm -hmm. And she made a Sazerac. That's why I was thinking about the yep. Sazerac recently. And, you know, she's like, yeah, pour a little absinthe in here, swirl it around. Now toss it. Yeah. And her husband's like, uh, can I drink it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fine too. Yeah, no, to to make a Sazerac, you put absinthe in the glass, you, you rinse the glass, and then toss it. 
So uh, there's a couple wow. cocktails that I make that I do that. Uh, one of my gins or one of my uh, martinis that I make is is just a vermouth rinse, and then you dump the vermouth and fill it with gin. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and it's fantastic. I gotta try that. See, I try, I started dabbling in martinis myself a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, martinis! You can get into the weeds really. Yeah, quick. I I really did. And what I discovered is like, a I don't have the tools for it. Like, you can't half-ass it without the tools. No. Um, I was like, I'll just do it over ice. I'll stir it. Like, it's good to go. Yep. No. Nope. No. Um, I didn't measure anything right. Which yeah. is so weird. I thought it would be so easy. <laughs> yeah, no. What's really funny is is there are some cocktails that are very, very simple to make with no tools or rudimentary tools. Uh, like, like, you know, making an old-fashioned. It's you put a rock in a glass, you, you add bitters and your sugar and your whiskey, and you stir it, and you garnish you it go. with whatever your choice is, whether it's an orange peel or, or a cherry or whatever. Um, but that's it. You stir it for 20 seconds and you drink it. Uh, that's an old fashioned. Uh, then you can get into the the building of proper cocktails and and building of like martinis. And there's a process and a method and everything else that if you even do the process wrong, even if you get all the ingredients right and and everything, if you just screw up the process, the cocktail is going to come out subpar. Mm. So I can see that. Yeah, and and it varies cocktail to cocktail and liquor by liquor and everything else, but. So anyway, we'll get into cocktails in March. Yeah. Uh, we got a super chat here from Bazinga. Once again, $5. Thank you, sir, for your second super chat. My record is six Long Island iced teas in two hours. My challenge for you is to beat my record. Still no idea how I got home. Ball. I will tell uh. you, I'm not a blitz drinker. I'm not a drink them as fast as I can. I'm a drink for as long as I can kind of guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I have some pretty epic 12-hour runs. <laughs> I was really impressed with the technique that you, John, and Steve had while we were at PAX. Uh, Y'all y- enlightened me a little bit. You know, I thought I was a seasoned uh, <laughs> drinker, but no. By the way, when someone else is driving, there there are techniques to, uh, <laughs> to oh, stay out was. at the bar. There was. And me and Steve had to wake up the next morning, like, right at the mm-hmm. right at the crack of dawn, and he woke up feeling great. I woke up feeling just a little <laughs> like I needed to shake it off. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you should have listened to us. I was like, dang it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> not that I was that bad, but oh God, it was not the best either. And then we had to walk a mile to get. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say Thursday morning was a little rough <laughs> or, or that was a uh, Sunday morning. It was Sunday morning. Sunday was a morning. Little rough. Yeah. Yeah. We went and had breakfast with CDPR. Yep. And um, that was, was cool. Good, good breakfast. Yeah. Good breakfast. Um, but yeah, anyway, cheers to that. I don't know. I don't know if we'll do that, Bazinga. I certainly couldn't do that right now. Um, <laughs> Not right you know, now. I'm the guy that <laughs> drank a rainier last Saturday night. So uh, let let that inform you yeah. to where my tolerance is at. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, uh, somebody answers a Black Samurai. It's a gag drink. It's hmm. half a shot of sake topped with soy sauce. It's good for pranking new drinkers. <laughs> interesting uh um i don't know that i'm gonna get into shots uh shots are another category i i'm not a drinker who shoots a lot like there's one group of friends that i will go out and we'll go to a bar and we'll do shots and that's karaoke nights uh and it feels like it's been 
you know, years? 84 year years least. since I've been karaoke. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's about right. Uh, oh. But we will do shots usually of, uh, of either Jameson Black or Gentleman Jack. And uh, so, you know, your, your second shelf uh, when you go to a bar. And we'll do three, four, five shots with Dex all with designated drivers. Don't worry. Uh, but we'll do three, four, five shots in a night. And we all have our, our song list where you'll take a shot and here's your opener. And then here's your two shot song and your three shot song and your four shot song. And we got to do karaoke together. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love karaoke. Yes, yes. No, It's I... the one joy of like working with uh, the musical theater folks is that everybody in musical theater loves uh, mm-hmm. karaoke. It's hard to come by people who enjoy doing that. I, at least in my circle of friends. So, yeah, no, I, I I run with a with a crowd that definitely enjoys their karaoke. So, yeah, we'll we'll have you along next time we're able to go out. You know, maybe in two thousand twenty four. Yeah, two thousand twenty four, two thousand twenty five. By then, also, I'll have definitely developed my pipes. By then, you know, I wouldn't want to go out and like ruin. <laughs> you got to warm up to by it, Lady man. Gaga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I I'll said, that's more... why we have our one shot song, two shot songs. Uh, Rebel Yell is a three shot song. Oh yeah. yeah, nice. I used to uh, I used to go to these yeah. real rural bars and I would sing like you know Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga songs, and I kid you not, like I could have guys buying me drinks for whatever reason, like singing Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga in rural bars. I'm not judging. I'm not making any assumptions, but like I could get like three guys to buy me drinks every night <laughs> in rural bars. <laughs> Like I'm talking like monitor in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that happy yep. note, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into today's news. Uh, so starting with uh, the RTX 3060 non-TI, so the 12 gigabyte for some odd reason, RTX 3060, uh, was announced a couple of weeks ago and it is launching officially tomorrow. However, since around, well, last week, you could start to pick it up on used channels already for already grossly inflated prices. This time, uh, right around $1,100 is what they were posting for. (laughs) Um, The thing is, no driver has been publicly released by NVIDIA. Um, I haven't even heard... uh, I, I know at this point the reviewers have drivers, but usually NVIDIA only gives like three or four days, so I bet the driver release for... Uh, reviewers was on Monday and the general public release is I believe 10 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, I don't have a 3060 for review because well they're so short stocked I still can't get graphics cards either. So I'm kind of living the same life you guys are where it's like man I'd I'd like to upgrade some systems but there's no way I possibly can. Uh, Anyway the RTX 3060 it's it's made a couple of headlines. Number one uh People expect it to not be available already, and likely it won't be available already. And number two, NVIDIA's touting that they're they're coming behind the, the consumer and 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 they want consumers to be able to get their hands on graphics cards. And so here's what they're gonna do. They're gonna make a GA106 exclusive mining card and uh, and sell that one off to miners. And then inside the driver, they're going to lock down and have mining performance on the RTX 3060. Uh, so in theory, miners won't be able to use the cards and, and if it detects mining activity, it'll, it'll lock them out. Uh, 
here's the thing with miners is they already don't use Nvidia BIOS and they already don't use Nvidia drivers. They have entire development teams in their own rights that write their own drivers, write their own BIOS, modify whatever Nvidia puts out. I was betting by today. I was betting that by today, the driver would have already been cracked uh, to enable full speed mining. Now I haven't heard or denied, but as soon as that story comes out, we will certainly talk about that, about the 3060 being unlocked for mining because it's only a software lock, which means it's inevitable. Even hardware locks are inevitable to beat. Uh, look at the, I mean, I, I have some GPU hacking prowess on my show. I, I converted the Tesla K10s into grid K2 cards and ran grid software that was never meant to be run because two resistors were in two different places on those boards. And so that's the way they identified those boards was they just moved some resistors around and it recognizes as a as a G, uh, K80 or a Tesla K10 or a grid K2 or a GTX 690. Those are all the same GPU dies and you know GK104 GPUs. They just recognize differently when you plug them into a system. So... I expect very quickly people to go, oh, if we move these resistors, it's no longer a GA106, it's a GTX or RTX 3060 and vice versa. And they're gonna buy out the cards anyway. And the way the market is running right now, even if the mining performance is halved on 3060s, I think it's still profitable to buy them. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> um, so I don't know that this is going to do much to slow the tide of chip shortages and and mining and scalping and everything else that's going on. Uh, I just don't. I, I We have a story later on. It's still going to get worse. It's still going to get worse. Uh, I got another super chat. Bazinga, another $5. Thank you, Bazinga. Oh, and Corey, $5. Sorry, I missed that one. What's up, all you happy people? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. I think we already established what's up, but what what's down is no longer water, and for that I am very grateful. And power lines, they're no longer down. So <laughs> depends on where you live. Mm -hmm. Six thousand folks still in our city, Jeff. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, it, it it's been almost two weeks. It's been twelve days. Yeah. Since that storm, and and there's still six thousand yep. people out of power. February 12th. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Ex exactly. 12 days. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. That was a, I don't want to get back into it, but that was a crazy week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Bazinga, another $5. Thank you, Bazinga. Uh, Nvidia said it would cut Ethereum mining to 50%. Wonder if it will, if it will mine other coins at full speed. Uh, the thing is blockchain algorithms are still just blockchain algorithms. You're just changing a couple variables. You're, so detecting mining activity is very easy on the NVIDIA side of things versus rasterization versus tensor versus CUDA workloads. They all are different instruction sets. And uh, it, it's very easy for NVIDIA to go, oh, he's rendering a 3D game or he's mining crypto. Those show up night and day. Uh, so I, I don't think this is an issue of them detecting one coin algorithm versus another. It's a matter of, are you gaming or are you mining? That's what they're detecting. <laughs> now, so, is that just like a maneuver to like curb demand? 
and 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 fix the market for graphics cards or i think it's an effort to win pr points more than anything else because the demand is so insatiable right now that people are willing to pay scalper prices uh i i'm considering paying scalper prices for an additional graphics card that i need for an upcoming project because there's no other way to do it i need that graphics card uh by the way, spoiler alert, I'm putting four things into one thing. So do with your brain what you will with that information. Um, <laughs> oh, and water cooling them all. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned. Uh, yeah. Uh, the thing is, they still only have TSMC fabs or Samsung fabs, I guess. Uh, is it Samsung that's... I don't remember if it's TSMC or Samsung that's knocking out NVIDIA cards right now. I think it's TSMC. Um, Sorry, my brain's a little fuzzy tonight. Uh, They still only have one fab. Or they still only have the capacity of whatever they have to generate. And trust me, those fabs are working overtime already. It's not like they're making a new card that is going to add production and add supply now they're simply binning cards and sending them so half of them go to GA106s and the other half go to uh, RTX 3060s. It's the same GPU core. It's not like they suddenly created more supply in the GPU core. They're just marketing the cards differently and they're trying to slow down the mining on the consumer-based card and they're disabling all of the consumer features for the mining-based card. So when the mining-based card is, is done, there's no resale value for it, and you can't use it in other systems, a la me wanting to use a GP106 for NVENC encoding, uh, which, by the way, hopefully will be a process coming up. Samsung, thank you. Uh, eight nanometer Samsung. Thank you, Cirrus. Um, yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, they didn't create any more supply. They're not, you know, manufacturing more fabs. They're just splitting where they're putting them. And that in and of itself doesn't satiate demand. That's economics 101. The only way you can satiate demand is either by raising your price, thus supply demand, and and that's the response to that, or by creating more product to supply. They haven't done those. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is not complicated economics here. Uh, I I mean, the back end of, of NVIDIA's business is definitely complicated, but... It doesn't take a genius to realize they didn't create any more product and you're probably still not going to be able to buy any. We got uh, another super chat coming in from uh, Corey Gibson here. Corey Gibson says, NVIDIA doesn't care about gamers. All they want to do is sell cards to anyone. Well, that is their business model. NVIDIA is a manufacturer of parts and they sell parts to whoever buys them. So like I said, this is a PR move, and I don't disagree that it's a bad PR move. I just don't think it's going to effectively change the tide of miners and scalpers getting a hold of every single graphics card. Because right. the scalpers who are getting a hold of cards, they're getting a hold of them in the hundreds, whereas shipments going to certain countries are in the 50s. Like, right. there's just no supply to go around because even before they hit retailers, they're being bought by back channels. So it's it's frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. 
Uh, I'm frustrated as a reviewer. I'm frustrated as a consumer. I'm frustrated as a gamer who wants a little bit more out of the system I have currently, and I just can't get it. Uh, I have a 240 hertz monitor to review. I have a an RTX 2080 that in some games I might be able to hit that, like CSGO, sure. I'm not going to be able to test a litany of other games at 240 frames per second because I don't have a graphics card that's fast enough to do that. So it's a conundrum for me. <laughs> so uh, 999 from uh, David. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Oh, and Corey, thank you again. I, I appreciate you. Uh, Jeff, love the content. Can't go wrong with craft beers and computing. Hope all is well in the aftermath of the flood. Thank you very much, David. Yeah, thing, no, things are, uh, like I said, slowly getting back together. Uh, we're hopefully in the final stages of our insurance claim. Uh, we've already had contractors in and out. Uh, we have a couple of things that we're going to take care of ourselves because the, the damage was fairly minimal. There's a little bit of drywall to repair. There's a little bit of, uh, of trim work to take care of. And it's like, well, heck, I've got a, a miter saw. I can, <laughs> I can knock that out in a weekend kind of thing. Um, and, uh, they're still working through our personal property claim, but, uh, we're, we're moving. We're getting re back in the right direction. Uh, East Coast Mods. Hey, buddy. Uh, $10. I feel your pain, Craft Computing. I have to go with an Intel... I, in, I have to go with... Yeah. I have to go to Intel with an iGPU just to build a PC. Yeah. Um, well, you could always go RX 550. <laughs> that's about the only graphics card that's available. Uh, and honestly, it's not a terrible graphics card. Um, I, in fact, I did a, a video where I... Look up my potato PC or, uh, you know, what can you play on, on you know, entry-level hardware right now. You can actually get some pretty decent performance. Now, it ain't no 1070. It's not a 2070. It's certainly not a 3070. But little game. Kind of. <laughs> Uh, and then one more from Drake, $10. Thank you, Drake. Uh, hey, hope this helps get another book for a little bit. It's my birthday gift to her. Monday is my 33rd and I'm giving back a bit. Thank you very much, Drake. I really appreciate that. Cheers to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we're, uh, we've been starting to buy some books for her. Uh, so for those who don't know a little bit, my youngest daughter, uh, that was probably the biggest loss is all the books out of her room. Uh, cause she's only three. And so she has just cube bookshelves, but they were on the floor so she could reach them. And, uh, the water level came up to there and they took everything. Um, and, uh, and some clothes and some other stuff. Uh, yeah. So it, that hurt. I mean, I lost hardware in here. Hardware can be replaced. That's not a big deal. Uh, books that I've read to my girls every single night since the day they were born. That one, that one pains me a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I posted someone actually sent me a uh, pack of Dr. Seuss books. And yeah. uh, I, I will say I, I legit man cried when I opened that box uh, because uh, they sent they sent five books. Uh, they sent, uh, gosh, Cat in the Hat, uh, Green Eggs and Ham, Fox and Socks, Hop on Pop, and... Uh, Gosh, what was the last one? I have the picture. Anyway. Well, it was one fish, two fish, or maybe one fish, two places. fish. There you go. Okay. One fish, two fish. Uh, of those books, um, four of those were books that we lost. We, we had the hardcover Seuss paper books, uh, and we had lost Cat in the Hat, Fox and Socks, One Fish, Two Fish, and uh, 
the other one that I mentioned. The one that we didn't lose uh, was one fish, two fish. Or no, hop on pop. Uh, but we had a board book of that one that we did lose. So technically he was five for five in replacing books that we lost. And it's like, dude, that is awesome. Love it. Yep. So. Whew. Super chats just rolling Super in Super chats rolling in. Uh, John, $5 donation. Thank you, John. Finally, most of back to normal here in the Austin area. That is great to hear. Uh, I have a couple of friends over in the Austin area, and they said it was just as challenging of a week as we had a couple of weeks ago. So um, definitely glad to hear that. Uh, in fact, one of my friends uh, on Twitter said they have something like 50 pipes burst in their apartment, and they still don't have running water. So, yeah, yeah they finally uh, got the power thing- back. But the thing that I've found that's that's unfortunate for a lot of Texas is that um, you know basements aren't that common like they here are here, and mm-hmm. so a lot of pipes are run up above. Yeah, they run surface, and and so like people are having pipes burst, and then their ceilings cave in because you, they're running pipes through the attic or they're running pipes through the walls or yeah. whatever, and it's uh, it's just causing a lot more heartache and and grief than yeah than we would get here for something like that. And, and of course, just the infrastructure in general is just not built. Mm-hmm. You know, your roads aren't built to handle it. Um, electric Electricity, obviously the big one wasn't built to handle it. So it, it's been pretty devastating in Texas. You know, we got, we got just a little taste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've gotten hit that hard before that we've had a couple of winter storms that have, have yeah. crippled us for, for two or three weeks at a time. And, yep. uh, and, First one was in 2003, and and that one crippled all of Portland and 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 Salem and Eugene for for literally two and a half weeks. Because yeah. in 2003 we didn't have any snowplows. There were three snowplows in the state, and they all lived in Eastern Oregon because that's where they get snow. And uh, we didn't have de-icing crews. We we didn't have anything. We weren't prepared for anything. And uh, that was a hard couple of weeks. Uh, and then. We got a couple of storms a couple of years later, and those was like, yeah, there's a lot of snow, but we're fine. You know, people can drive over it eventually. Uh, then we get another ice storm. What was that in 2015, 15 or 16 or something like that? And uh, Portland said, oh, yeah. rather than plowing the roads or using salt, we're just going to let it melt. And that was a nine-day event from a single storm, from a single yeah. day. That was a big one. That was the one where all the cars were like buried. People were like abandoning their cars yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, our our roads are are built a little bit more for weather, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of Oregonians and Pacific Northwesterners in general just don't know how to drive in the snow and ice. Yeah, you know, I, I'm included in that. I'm not the most handy person when it comes to driving like that, but but uh, a lot of people found themselves in pretty yeah. uh, pretty intense situations and just left their cars or got trapped in their cars, etc. Yeah. Well, well, even a month ago, we we got. Uh... Was it a month ago? Maybe like three weeks. We we got some snow, uh, the a week or two before oh, yeah. the ice storm, and uh, even in that, uh, now I live in a pretty hilly area and some pretty steep inclines on a couple of them, but there were cars that very yeah. easily should have been able to make those climbs that the drivers just had no idea what they were doing and were abandoning their abandoning their cars. There were a hundred abandoned cars uh, in on my hill uh, yeah. at one point and. I, I was in my truck, but I didn't even have it in four wheel. And but I'm just yeah. kind of putting by and just take it slow. You're not don't give it a lot of gas and 
turn the wheel where you want to go and you'll make it there. But yeah, instead, there were one. people in BMWs and slicks giving it all the acceleration they could and just spinning tires and sliding off the road. Or the big one I always see is that they're being cautious and they're going up a hill and they're like, okay, I, I got to go slow. And then they get stuck because they're not, they have no momentum built up. They can't make it. It's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, that's the other thing is don't stop. <laughs> yeah, don't, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we're 40 minutes in and we've done one story. So let's let's see if we can yeah, move along better. a little bit. The freaking super chats just keep rolling in, but we'll I come know. back to them. We'll come back to them. If we missed you, we'll come back to you. Uh, all right. Moving on. Uh, there's another uh, Rip story today, and it was also in the, uh, the title of today's video, and that's Rip Fry's Electronics. They are finally calling it quits after 36 years. Uh now, I do disagree with one thing that they said in their press release, which, uh, by the way, I can throw onto here. Uh, after nearly 36 years in business as the one-stop shop and online resource for high-tech professionals, nine states and 31 stores, Fry's Electronics has made the difficult decision to shut down operations and close its businesses permanently as a result of changes in the retail industry and challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I will say... I visited Fry's Electronics in 2018, and their shelves were empty then. Yeah, they were. I I I am so frustrated and 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 actually a little bit offended that Fry's used the pandemic as an excuse because, and no offense to the fine people working at Fry's, but this is directed at the management and the creditors of Fry's. That is a that's a cop out. That's an absolute cop out. Uh. You know, I I haven't shopped at Fry's in four years. And the reason I haven't shopped at Fry's in four years is because they didn't have any product anymore. Uh, it wasn't yeah. even that you wouldn't match prices. I'm glad to go into local shops and spend a little bit more money to get hands-on with a product or, or anything. That's how I bought my Apple. That's how I bought my yeah. MacBook is I went into the store and I held the Apple and I said, this is the one that I want. Uh, versus, you know, just ordering something on blind faith online. You know, I'll I'll pay a ten percent premium to go in and get hands on first on on certain products, not every product, but certain products, uh, keyboards, mice, peripherals, monitors, laptops. Yeah, I'll I'll pay a premium. Yeah. Uh, Fry's hadn't adopted their business model for well over the last half decade, and and twenty twenty was finally the year that did them in, but yeah. it wasn't because of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure the pandemic did them no favors. It certainly but, didn't. But, but at the same time, you know, you're not wrong. It's been on a slow downhill decline for quite a while. Right. Uh, there was a... Uh, so so you and I went, went into Fry's in Vegas when we were down there. Uh, yeah. And then Steve and I went into the same Fry's last. And that's actually the last time I've ever been into a Fry's was with Steve in the Vegas store. Um, so uh, we walked in. And there's a couple of things that changed about Fry's Electronics in the couple of years since I had last been in the Wilsonville store. Uh, number one is that they had no name brand products anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they still had TVs and washers and dryers and stuff like that. But if you look at their computer equipment, they no longer carried Cooler Master and Corsair and... Uh, even Thermaltake was picked bare. Uh, like, like there were a couple Thermaltake products, but there were no Thermaltake cases. It was uh, a couple of their water cooling stuff, um, which is fine, but uh, it's not like they had the whole gamut anymore. Uh, they they no longer 
carried Asus stuff. They no longer carried this. They no longer carried that. There were no apples in the store anymore because they couldn't sell enough volume to, to keep their Apple contract. And the parts that were on the shelf, uh, I was looking at Gamdius. I was looking at uh, quite a few others. And they had thousands upon thousands of boxes of Gamdius cases and chairs. And, and there was uh, Talon. And, and there were some other, like, they're in the PC space, but they're they're not the name brand. They're the second tier, yeah. you know, kind of providers. Um, the reason they carried those in stores was because those were consignment parts. Fry's didn't buy those parts to have stock. Fry's got money for them when they sold. Yeah. So to blame this on the pandemic <laughs> is a cop out. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. You know, I always kind of hope that they would pull through. You know, Fry's is the is the first place where I went through and you know bought my first PC, parted out everything, and and you know back then you had shelves to browse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just PC parts too, man. I loved going there and looking at games and things like that. Like you know, they had everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, yeah, they. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, for, for well over a decade, Fry's was my one-stop shop. And, and yeah. that's what they claim. And, and they really were. I could go to Fry's and I could get anything that I needed and I can get it that day. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was even in a time when Newegg and Amazon were carrying everything. But it was two, three, four-day delivery and I could drive up to Fry's and for $10 more, I could have it in my yeah. hands that day. Well, and what I always enjoyed about it when I was in high school, you know, we could drive up there and we could find open parts that had been returned and you could get them for, you know, a discount price. Right. And so that's what we always loved about it is you go and get something that somebody returned and get it for 25, 33% off or something like that. And you're golden, you know, it beats new egg prices. Oh, not only that, not only that, uh, the last major purchase I made at Fry's was in November of 2017. And, uh, it's actually on this channel. Uh, it is my Threadripper motherboard and CPU. Uh, mm. I I went into Fry's and uh, I was trying to to figure out what do I want to do for a video today. Like I've got fifty dollars cash. What can I go up at Fry's and review? Uh, and I'd done that a couple of times. I'd drove driven up there and uh, bought like a keyboard or something like that, and then driven home and reviewed it. And and that was my video for the week. Uh, but this time it's like I have fifty dollars. What do I want? And so I, I drove up there and I'm walking around the store. And uh, while I'm there, I get a, uh, an email from, I think it was from Amazon, that the Threadripper uh, 1900X, so eight core Threadripper, was on sale for $499. I went, that's a pretty decent price. Or $399, excuse me. It was $399. And I went, that's a pretty decent price. I mean, Threadripper 1900X was just released like a month or two ago. And... Uh, and to get onto an enthusiast platform for 400 bucks is a pretty good deal. Uh, but the motherboards were still $400 in their own right. So it's $800 to take the leap on what essentially got you Ryzen 1700 plus performance uh, for, you know, $400 instead of $800. Like that was the price gap <laughs> for the advantage of a couple more PCI slots and and eight chan- or in four channel memory. But I'm walking through the store and uh, I walked over to their discount table and they had on the table the motherboard that I had been looking at 
for the X399 platform, which was the MSI Gaming Pro Carbon. I liked the feature set, I liked the layout, I liked everything about that board. And uh, they had a sticker on it, and it was original price $430. They had a sticker on it that said $160. <laughs> I still can't find this board for that price four years later and the and the X399 platform is dead. Yeah. And and those boards still sell for two hundred dollars. Yeah. But I but I walked in there with just fifty dollars cash in my pocket. I went back out to my car, got my wallet, walked back in and swiped my credit card and and, and bought not only the motherboard, but I said, Do you have the processor in too? They said, Yeah, it's uh, four ninety nine. I said, Okay, do you price match? They said, Yeah. And so I bought that whole package for like five hundred and fifty bucks. And that's the last purchase I ever made at Fry's. Uh, yeah, it will be missed. Mm -hmm. I, w I wish they could have. I wish they could have recovered and been the the store that they were. But uh, it is what it is, you know. I don't know, free market, yada yada, something. I don't know. Yep. Real quick, some super chats. Novell Hub, $5. Did you receive the book I sent you yet? I have not yet, although I did not go to my mailbox today. I will be there tomorrow, though. So I'm. if it was delivered, uh, I'll probably pick it up tomorrow. You also uh, missed Andrew Morris right above him. 10 oh, bucks. no message, though. Oh, Andrew. But cheers to you, Andrew Morris. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Corey sends $5. Uh, there is no news, only Zool. <laughs> <laughs> uh ryan 25 dollars. thank you ryan uh been a minute since i caught a live show hope your basement is getting taken care of thank you ryan i do appreciate that cheers to that uh, and yes it is uh andrew five dollar donation fries changed vendors and never recovered yeah that was that was one thing that really wasn't publicized all that much but they they changed uh, uh supply vendors and trying to get better deals and better contracts and things like that and uh on the pc side of things they ended up getting screwed and and a big chunk of their of their business model was selling to PC enthusiasts, was selling yeah. you know cases and water cooling and, and things yeah. that even even Amazon at that time wasn't carrying. You could go into Fry's and you could get hands on with it and take it home. Yeah. And uh, you know again, and that was when I was first getting in PCs. The options were like Newegg and Fry's, and we were of that time where I we'd all much rather drive a little bit right. and be able to look at it. And be able to, you know, weigh products right in front of your right. eyes. I, like, I lived 20 minutes from Fry's for, for a yeah. good majority of my adult life. And uh, I still stopped going there after 2017. It was shortly after I bought the Threadripper that they started going downhill. And yeah. I'd go in there and it's like they have three monitors in stock. And, yeah. and they're all garbage. And uh, they don't have the good deals anymore. They're not doing price bundles or combo bundles anymore. Because a lot like Micro Center they often tried to do loss leaders on CPUs to get you into the door to buy motherboards. And so you would go in and you'd take $50 off a CPU that is under the cost that they paid for it. But you'd also get a motherboard for like a hundred bucks. And those were great deals. And yep. Amazon doesn't do that. You pay retail for everything that you buy on Amazon. And that's also part of Amazon's business model. So. Yep. Well, fries, we can, we can tip one out for fries later on, but. Uh, I I don't pour one out. I'd I'd rather just drink one. So. I'll tip it out into your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> this is for you, fries. And because it was a slow descent, you're only worth an amber lager. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, what do we got next? Oh, HyperX. Right. Uh, so HyperX has been owned by Kingston for. I believe HyperX shot off of Kingston or was their gaming brand or whatever. 
Kingston has reportedly sold HyperX to HP, of all people, for $425 million. HP is looking to boost their gaming peripheral and gaming uh, enthusiast market uh, to go alongside some of their Omen products and whatnot. And uh, I'm not sure I understand this business deal because HP's never been a component manufacturer necessarily. I mean, they, they make their own motherboards or rather they design their motherboards and outsource them to Foxconn to create. Um, but HP doesn't make memory modules. They license them from Crucial. They don't make SSDs. They license them from Samsung. They don't make, they don't make anything um, as far as like raw silicon goes. And so the fact that they're buying a memory SSD and peripheral OEM, it's a little strange to me. I'm not quite sure what HP is hoping to do with HyperX, because HyperX does a lot of different things. And and HyperX for probably the last three or four years has been trying to spin up uh, the gaming aspect, or, or rather the game streaming aspect of their business. Uh, which is sponsoring a lot of different game streaming events and gaming competitions around the country. Uh, when uh, was it? Was it when you and I went, or was it the? I, I can't remember if it was uh, 2018 or 2019 CES that uh, the the pyramid uh, on Vegas was covered in a HyperX banner. Yeah, the that was the entire thing. There. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't Mandalay, but what was the Luxor? It was Luxor. The Luxor, yeah, yeah. Luxor um, was covered in this massive HyperX banner on all four sides, and so the only reason you could tell it was CES was number one the traffic, and number two, uh, the Luxor said HyperX on all four sides of it. Yeah, which is funny enough because it's like you know you see it a lot in esports, you see the brand and stuff in esports. And, yeah, you know I, I followed Dota and stuff back then and, and CS:GO. It was like one of like legitimately the first times I'd ever heard of Hyper HyperX, which <laughs> yeah. like no knock on him because like now you know when my Plantronics headset broke, I started looking for headsets and all I could find when I searched that on Amazon was HyperX stuff. <laughs> like you know, so clearly they've yeah. done something to corner the market on headsets and things like that. Oh yeah, their their peripheral game is very very strong, uh, yeah. and and like I said, their their memory and SSDs have always been very top notch. Uh, they they have a lot of different business markets that they do very very well in, but this is not a business market that HP's ever ventured into. I mean, I know they're both in the PC space, but one IT professional to another IT professional, you can have vastly different jobs where there's absolutely no crossover. And that's kind yeah. of what I'm seeing here is one is a system OEM and and uh, remember HP is no longer HP Enterprise either, which HP Enterprise is, is the server wing of HP and it is now its own completely different company. Uh, so HP is just a system OEM and a laptop OEM. They're not a peripheral manufacturer. They don't make monitors. They don't make, they don't make anything. They, they well, rebrand an OEM. You know, you think about where you find HP and those are the types of places that you might sell some peripherals as well. Right. You know, when you're browsing laptops or something at Best Buy or <laughs> RGB <Walmart> ECC. Or <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd buy it. I'd buy it. <laughs> Pro lines now feature hype. 
featuring HyperX ECC dims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I right, we'll see. It'll be uh, yet to be seen, but uh, who knows? It, when you're when you're kind of cornering like the the budget peripheral market and thing like that, kind of makes sense. It's what HP could use. I don't know. But they got yeah, you know, like everybody's saying, they got the Omen line already, so yeah. I don't know how much it helps them or not. Like we'll I said, they, they had the Omen line. I don't know if this is going to expand their peripheral offerings, so now they can do in-house peripherals for for cost savings and and you know potential bigger profit. I don't know if they're going to start pushing HyperX integration into a lot of their gaming and even consumer lineup of, of products, you know, HP Omen laptops now with HyperX memory kind of thing. Like yeah. it, it could work as far as those types of integrations um, and being able to sell HyperX peripherals and HyperX monitors and, and things like that alongside your Omen desktops. I could definitely see that aspect of it working. Yeah. But it's still, it's still an acquisition that makes me raise an eyebrow. Well, we'll have to uh, put it on the back burner and see what happens. Yep. All right. Moving right along here. Uh, the Apple M1. Uh, Apple M1, Apple Silicon is apparently eating through SSDs faster than, mm. well, faster than a pizza at a Weight Watchers convention. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's an old joke. Uh, um so for those who don't know, uh, well, let's start at the beginning. Apple has their own silicon, the Apple M1. Uh, it's available in the MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, and Mac Mini, and soon to be iMac and hopefully Mac Pro with a heck of a lot more power. Uh, it's an ARM-based system on chip that Apple has developed themselves uh, that is 100% proprietary using ARM licensure. But there's there's been a discovery lately that they're writing to the SSDs way more than they probably should be. Uh, so SSDs have what's called a mean time between failure or MTB, MTBF. Um, and that is the average amount of, t uh, of writes or time, uh, you can use either metric, uh, that an SSD or a component will start to fail. And so usually when you buy an enterprise hard drive, it'll say 1 million hours MTBF. That is, you can run this drive for a million hours and the mean time between failure of identical drives is 1 million hours. And so on average, this should last a million hours, but there's one that lasted 400,000 and then there's another that lasted 1.6. And so the mean is 1 million. Um, that's way simplifying, you know, averages and math and statistical probability, but Moving on. Uh, SSDs have a mean time between failure based on the write cycles because you can only write to NAND flash memory so many times before the memory goes, I don't know if I'm a zero or a one anymore and stops working. Uh, so those mean time between failures on a lot of consumer SSDs are are in the, the hundreds of thousands of terabytes. Uh, so the example that uh, PC Gamer gives here is a 256 gig SSD will have a mean time between failure of 150 terabytes. So you could write the drive with 150 terabytes of data. So just cycling through data. Um, and 
you could run that drive for five years by writing 30 terabytes per year, which is a heck of a lot of writes, or 84 gigs per day. So that is changing the contents of your SSD one third of it every single day for five years. No one does that. So SSDs in laptops and, and NAND like this, they're supposed to last quite a, quite a while. Apparently, uh, the Macintosh LCD or LCD SSDs right now are averaging almost 250 gigabytes per day on a 256 gigabyte drive, which hmm. means they're writing the entire contents of the SSD once every day, which means the mean time between failure is now right around two years. Oh, by the way, on an SSD that's soldered to the motherboard. Does anyone see the problem? Uh, so I have not confirmed this. I, I can't comment on, is it happening with my uh, personal MacBook Pro that I just spent $1,300 on? Uh, I don't know. It's something I'm certainly going to be looking at. And it's something I'm certainly going to be investigating to the fullest extent that I can. Uh, and if this ends up being the case, it's definitely something I'm also not happy about because remember these laptops are only a couple of months old. They only launched in December and some of them are already reporting like 15 terabytes of writes on a laptop that I should have maybe one terabyte written at this point in time, especially because I've only installed a couple of apps and I've, I've gone crazy a couple of times where I've, I've made some massive writes and then you know, overwritten that data. But for the most part, it's been, it's been a web surfer. It's been a light video editor, but video editing from a USB-C uh, dongle and, and some other things like that. But man, if that's true, that's insane. Uh, Boy, am I glad I didn't jump on that one. Well, Sometimes you pay an early adopter tax and sometimes it comes at the, you need to buy a second generation product so you get out of the first generation product tax. Uh, trust me, I'm very good at both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I mean, the world needs people like you, Jeff, so. <laughs> I'm the reason the tech world goes round. I, I really am. Uh, Venture Tech sends over $3 Canadian rubles. Thank you so much. And uh uh, has a hippo waving and says next time. I'm assuming he's leaving for the night. So thank you, Venture. I appreciate that. James sends over $2. HP, HP own Omen. Uh, I think that's what it's for. And and yeah, that's that's my speculation as well. Uh, uh, Denvera sends over $2. Noticed high uh, TBW on my M1 Mac Mini aggressive swap. And yeah, it's coming down to um, overly aggressive swap utilization likely because the drive or the systems only have eight gigabytes of memory. Uh, and so this mm. could be a limitation of the system memory that's on board. Uh, and you need a larger swap space on the drive, which means you're constantly writing swap information as you're, as you're booting. But the problem is when you do that to an SSD, the SSDs tend to not like that. Could very well be the case. And I just minimized my chat window. I have no idea why. <clears throat> well, the good news is, is that there's another super chat from Matt. Had to cancel an M1 Mini order for work because of this issue. $2, Matt, thanks. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a big deal for a lot of people. Yep. Um, hopefully there will be an update 
Big Sur update that addresses this. Um, and if there's not, hopefully the Apple will be faced with another class action suit. So you can get a couple hundred dollars here later on, even though you're going to be without a system because they insist on not using standard NVMe slots and instead they're unproprietary for whatever the hell reason. Well, we know the reason. And the reason is that <laughs> they like to charge a premium on SSD upgrades and RAM upgrades. That's been Apple's MO for systems for as long as I can remember. But to be fair, a lot of other OEMs do that as well. You ever tried to max out the memory on a Dell or an HP, especially when you get into server products? Yep. Uh, sounds All like right. a BIOS problem. No, it's it's. this is definitely just an OS problem. This is a overutilization of swap space. So hopefully they can get this addressed and fixed and uh, we'll all be better for it. Uh... Here's the story that we probably didn't want to see, but knew was coming anyway. And that is, uh, according to Tom's hardware and a number of other sources, demand exceeds supply by over 30% when it comes to modern silicon. And we're talking about both CPUs and GPUs. And the chip shortages are going to persist for at least another 12 months. Uh, I don't know that there's much more you need to know in the article than literally the headline and the subtitle because they stretched that out to four paragraphs. Uh, we all know the market is terrible right now. I, I wanted to say words other than terrible, but uh, <laughs> we all know the market is terrible right now. Uh, we all know you can't buy graphics cards. We all know you can't buy top-end silicon for for AMD and, and even Intel right now. The, the market on... Ice like chips and, and it, it's just, it doesn't exist. Uh, well, not ice like, but whatever the bloody heck 10th gen is. Sorry. I can't keep every product name in my head. Uh, it's what we're depending on, Jeff. I know. You'd think at 200,000 subscribers, I'd start memorizing this crap again, but uh, what are you going to do? Well, you uh, think as your co host, I'd be able to like lobby a softball here, but. Right. Maybe, maybe <laughs> one day. We'll, we'll get you trained. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the changes or the the shortages, we know there's shortages. We know the demand is abnormally high, not just because of mining, but I, we've talked about this before because this is the first legitimate graphics card upgrade and competition that we've seen in probably the last four years. This is the first amount of leap forward in CPU competition that we've seen in quite a few years as well. Uh, I mean, there there were no real big, massive IPC improvements year over year from Intel anymore uh, since 2016. Uh, I mean, Haswell and KB Lake, KB Lake and, and whatnot, they're still competitive in the top end space as far as IPC. They definitely lose out to, to Coffee Lake and, and later gen CPUs but not by huge margins. But then all of a sudden you have AMD coming through with 15% IPC improvements over what Intel can provide. And that's something we haven't seen in over a decade. So you factor in the mining craze, you factor in the CPU horsepower increase as well as the GPU horsepower increase. And Comet Lake, thank you. Comet Lake attention. I knew someone would have it. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> you factor all those things in with like 
we're finally moving forward in a space that's been stagnated for the, at least the last five years in performance. And you have the miners coming in at the same time and they want all of the, the GPUs, not, not just some of them anymore, but all of them. Like it's not just, they're buying up the RX 480s. It's they're buying everything. It, it doesn't matter if it's a GPU, it will plug in and it will mine. They're buying laptops with GPUs on board to mine with. And the fact that NVIDIA thinks that they can create a 3060 spinoff that is mining only and then lock down the 3060, guess what? They'll still pay $400 for a 3060 because they can mine on it because you know what they're doing right now? They're paying $1,500 for an RTX uh, 2060 integrated onto a laptop so they can mine on that. Do you really think 50% performance is going to matter when it's one-third the cost? No. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, I've been wanting a 5900X or a 5950X for quite a while. Uh, I've, I've been wanting to, to push my CPU performance forward finally because I, I've been in the backseat for years and years and years when it comes to IPC performance and I finally see a chip that I can afford and leap myself forward. And not that the 2950X 16 core is anything to, to balk at, but come on, I'm the guy that started making X79 boards and ran them for a long time because I couldn't afford anything else. So... Dang it, I wanted to treat myself finally, and I can't. And that's frustrating. And and I know a lot of other people are in the same boat. Uh, so, buckle up. Yeah. I guess you just got to get into crypto, Jeff. It's the only way to justify your... But I feel so guilty about that. I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. I know I should just... I have rigs here. I could set up to mine like crazy. I, I I do. But I just feel guilty. I, I feel like part of the problem at that point. Yeah. So. Well, it's like a two. It's like a two prong problem too. It's not just like the issue. Of it's not like the fact that up. I'm mining that is crashing the economy. Like it's that's not my deal. Right. But but I feel guilty like trying to go to bat on behalf of the consumer and then also using my cards to mine. It's it's right. It feels weird and it feels dirty. Right. Well, and there's a, there's a weird issue of like, well, okay, it screws up demand, but then also like the electrical consumption of crypto mining is just like so horrible for the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now, anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like kind of a weird. It's like a whole weird like sub argument I've seen like crop up in the last like few months. Yeah. Like the sheer consumption of fossil fuels to perpetuate crypto is staggering. Oh, it's it's. Yeah. The amount of watts uh, going through China, India, Russia, US, UK for crypto mining farms will make your head spin. Well, I told you guys about how the company I worked for, they leased uh, one of their buildings to a crypto miner mm -hmm. who was spending $250,000 a month on just electricity. And still profiting. Do you think the RTX 3060 being boot being uh, bootstrapped by 50% is going to make a difference to his profits? No. 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 Not at all. I mean, that, and that's what's crazy. And the lease wasn't cheap either, but the lease and is nothing And that's assuming they don't crack to... the driver. Right, it's assuming yeah. assuming they can't make it run at 100% or 110%. Yeah. It, I mean, it's staggering. When I, when I <laughs> saw how much he was spending to keep that place lit. Yeah. 
it, it, it changed my whole perception of crypto. I had no idea. Yeah, no, it's big business anymore. And for those who don't know, it definitely is. And you should be paying attention. But that's not to say it still sucks for consumers. Yeah. A uh, couple more super chats. Uh, we got Michael sends in $2. Hey, Jeff, taxes came in. Uh, additional little book fund. Thank you so much. Uh, and we've got uh, Ryan sends in $5. Uh, never thought I'd be happy. I spent only 1000 retail on my 3080. This is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, the thing is, the retail prices that they announced, I don't know. I didn't know that they would even exist when they announced them, let alone once crypto started hitting in full swing. Uh, like 699 for a 3080, I knew it was going to be 750 plus. Like, or 800 plus, you know, once board partners got a hold of them and things like that. But uh, I didn't see this coming. I don't think anyone saw the the insane rise of crypto within the last four months coming. Uh, but it's here, and because of supply and demand, it's going to be here to stay for a while. Yep. Uh, and then James sends in a $5 donation. I bought an X79 bundle with 16 gigs of RAM and an E5-2689 from AliExpress. Uh, and it won't post. Have you had any crazy issues you fixed like this? Tried new RAM. The only thing I've ever tried was trying new memory. Uh, sometimes some of these boards can be a little bit finicky when it comes to memory support. Although if you bought it in a bundle, I bet it's validated or at least it's been tested in some way, shape, and form. Uh, at this point, I would contact the seller and say you have an issue with the purchase. And uh, AliExpress does have protection so long as you haven't let it lapse 10 days since you received it. Uh, so I, I would at this point get in contact with them because I think I think you likely have either a bad CPU or a bad motherboard if you've tried new memory. Now, my only other question would be, did you try filling all four DIMM slots? Because some of the X79 boards will only boot when every DIMM is full. Uh, so if you just tried like, you know, taking out the four sticks, the four four gig sticks that you got with that kit and putting in a single four gig stick of DDR3 that you had laying around, sometimes that will still prevent them from booting. Uh, so if you got one bad stick of memory in your four four gig kit, that would stop it from booting. And then if you tried swapping out and go, well, let's just test with one stick, it might still not boot. That's not with every board, but that's with some. That's one of the, the quirks of those. Uh, especially some of the, the lesser expensive boards, the, the Machinist and Altminer and, th and things like that. Uh, they tend not to like only having one stick. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Oh, uh, how's your uh, your gin and tonic doing there, buddy? Oh, it's empty. I've been waiting to open a oh. beer. Well, I'm good. Okay, good. Thank God. Let's uh, let's do this. Uh, yeah, I've been waiting for like 20 minutes. You oh. know, patiently. I didn't want I didn't mm -hmm. want to make you look bad or anything. But... You should have said something. Oh, we were on a roll, you know, and people just keep sending in super chats. I, I, I can't interrupt that. Welcome that's everyone. Good. That's that's good news. Yeah. So, um. All y'all here with uh, with us last Saturday, uh, just the other day, um, I cracked open some Benedictine brew, and I'm going to do so again. Uh, last time I opened up the Tyranny, which is a uh, Cascadian dark lager. This time I'm going to open up the Black Habit. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a dark ale. Uh, it is super good. This is my favorite beer that they make. Yes. Um, 
it is just super dark it's super thick it's malty as all hell and uh the monks knew what they were doing this is this was a beer that uh that in the medieval or dark ages that uh, you would subsist on in place of bread um mm-hmm. this this is the best i love it so i'm, I'm drinking the black habit from Benedictine Brewery. Yeah, so they they legit used to in uh, it's very malty because they tried to make this as bread like as possible because when the monks were fasting, they would drink nothing but but wines and ales and things like that. And so to get as many calories in it as possible, they tried to make it as bread like as possible. And so Yeah, like I told everybody my dad bought me a case. Uh, this brewery is from my hometown. Yeah. And uh, we live in the shadow of a of a Benedictine monastery. Yep. And uh, they wanted to kind of get back to that those roots because, as you guys might know, brewing beer is a very monastic tradition. It was uh, part of the way that monks would support themselves, both you know themselves and and by selling it as well. Um. Anyway, this is some good stuff. Look at that, just. Oh man, that head just keeps shooting straight up. It's <laughs> delicious. Nice. All right. Uh, now the moment I've been waiting for for quite a while. So this is the uh, Dogfish Head Bourbon Barrel Aged Worldwide Stout. And I have never myself been able to get a hold of one of these. I finally had a longtime friend of the show, John Jay, send me a bottle. He does have some more that is going to be coming over to me, and uh, he has some more variants of the, the Worldwide Stout. So hopefully we'll be seeing some more of this as we go along. But uh, this is often thought of, of being one of the best stouts that you can that money can buy. Oh, so. God, that looks good. Uh, what's the ABV on it? It says ages well. Well, I wasn't going to let this one age because I only have one. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Very dark ale brewed with a ridiculous amount of barley. Is what it says on the side. And I want to say this was something like 12%. It was mm. It was up there. Wow. Mine's seven and a half. Yep, can't find it, but it's on there, I'm sure. Uh, not the longest lasting head, although it uh, definitely generated one even with a pretty light pour. But there we go. Oof. Hey, cheers to you, Jeff. Cheers, just... cheers to you, man. Bing. Boy, uh, that almost smells like maple. It looks delicious. Like, I love, like, see, you know, I got this nice dark beer with this very light head on it mm-hmm. you got that like dark head on it super caramely head yeah yeah oh like i said that's almost maple like maple syrup like um oh that's good Ooh, and there's a literally just there there's a super dark chocolate note that went hi <laughs> and like faded in and faded out just as quickly Oh, that is wonderful. Yes. You know, I don't know why I really <laughs> I really appreciate this and think it's very charming. So obviously I was talking about how Benedict and they, they're brewed in the monastic tradition. But here on the side here it says, uh, you know, we, we're using hops from the Northwest and pristine water from, from Oregon. From our glacial spring every- water generator. 
Right, yeah. <laughs> it says, we believe every bottle should be brewed to the glory of God. Like, I don't know why I find that so charming <laughs> in like a non, you know, sometimes I would read something like that normally and just like roll my eyes. Yeah. But the fact that it's like a really tasty, delicious beer, I'm just like, hey, good for them. They did it. So uh, Ryan points out, if this is the bourbon barrel aged bottle and... It is bourbon barrel aged, eighteen percent. Good lord. Good night, Jeff. Well, it is only twelve ounces. That's got to be. A, that's a barley wine at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I felt like a super super rich beer today, um, but I was only going to drink one. And I have a couple barley wines in my fridge, and I was really really eyeing the. Uh, Firestone Walker 2016 Hell Dorado that I have mm. going. Mm. Mm, is this the day I crack that one? Maybe, maybe. Oh, I've got the dogfish head. You know what? Only 12 ounces. That sounds good rather than 28 ounces. Of, of the, Ain't nothing wrong with that. Of the yeah. Hell Dorado. Yeah. Um, boy, what's really, really scary about this is it is not overly boozy. And I, I know we say that sometimes about like 12% beers. This yeah. is 18%, and it drinks like a nine. I mean, you yeah. can definitely tell it's rich, and it's thick, um, and it's got some 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 chutzpah to it, you know? I love that bourbon barrel-aged but... stuff, but sometimes, if it's not done right, like, you know, sometimes it adds uh, kind of like a, a texture to it that I that I don't appreciate. Yeah. But for, for the better, you know, for the best bourbon barrel aged stouts you you don't even notice it right no um i will say i'm not getting quite as much barrel char or bourbon as i would really like in a barrel aged stout there's some other sweeter flavors that are really coming through like i said a, a lot of caramel and a lot of that maple syrup kind of this reminds me a lot of kbs uh, of the kentucky breakfast stout right um but uh but richer and darker and and thicker than that, um, but or I guess the Can- CBS is the Canadian breakfast now. That's the one with maple in it. Um, the CBS, uh, it's reminding me more of that. But when I hear bourbon barrel aged, I want to taste just a hint of bourbon, and I I don't know that that's coming through. So. If I had but to, I wonder, if I had to say something negative, and I'm stretching. I wonder for if that. that's okay, though, Jeff. And I'm stretching to to make that complaint. <laughs> I, I really am because holy crap, this is delicious. <laughs> about the only complaint I ever have about the Black Habit when I drink it is that, um, when I'm drinking it from the bottle and not from the tap, sometimes the hops come through a little bit more than I would like mm-hmm. for such a dark beer. Which isn't a bad thing, but when you uh, you know I love drinking it from the tap because the hops do not come through. Right now I'm just getting that little slight, yeah, little slight bitterness from the hops, and yeah. I'd rather just get the maltiness. Yep. Mm. Yep. 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 Jeff, before we get rolling, we got a bunch of super chats. Maybe yes, just, I saw. Uh, I saw them starting to roll in there. A little with little discourse here. We got one from Darren Orange. I think that was the last one. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Darren. Go. go hey, for Jeff. It. I give you such a hard time about random things, but hey, absolute best wishes. And you got to beat this by my bits guy at 3D printing. Um, You know, I saw he got into 3D printing, but, and, and 
And let me just say, I will buy a 3D printer eventually. It's been one of those things that I've wanted to get and I've never had the right couple of projects that I, I wanted to do it with. Um, I've got a couple of projects that do call for a 3D printer that are on my on my desk right now. But maybe in the next couple of months, I'll get into a 3D printer. Um, and I, and I want to get the right one. Uh, I want to get one that I'm going to be happy with and not need to upgrade. So See, that's one thing that happens to me when I start looking at 3D printers is like the price point I'm looking at, I'm going to have to buy something and then I'm going to have to like 3D print the parts that I need to modify to it modify to make it, it to what make I it want, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is like super cool and awesome. But yeah. like also I'm not, I don't have much 3D printing experience, you know, yeah. so maybe not the best uh, first uh, step into that. Yeah. Uh, next one. Oh, you got anything else to say uh, about no, 3D go printing? No, go for it. Andrew Presson. I wonder if I could lease eight core and uh, GTX 1070 VM for a cheap monthly price, five bucks, instead of selling a gaming PC. I can do all the tech support from home. Hmm. He's wondering if you can lease that system. You know, there are cloud instances that you can lease uh, that do have GPU acceleration that are not necessarily meant for gaming. Uh, you do pay to have access to the virtual GPU systems. Uh, so if you're like, uh, if you're looking at like Amazon Web Services, AWS, you can add a GPU instance and you can host a virtual machine with a GPU instance and with whatever cores that you want to host. Um, and yes, in theory, you can play games. There's a number of people. There's even a couple of subreddits around playing games on cloud-based machines uh, using a variety of different software. Parsec's one that comes up all the time. There's Moonlight. There's uh, even Steam uh, Home Play comes up as, as a use case in there. But you do pay for the bandwidth that you use, which for game streaming is not all that much. It's pennies on the dollar kind uh, kind of thing where, you know, it ends up being like 20 cents a minute or something like that. It adds up eventually, but uh, it's not the most expensive thing. And it's certainly not as expensive as buying a graphics card, at least not for the first year. So long, long answer short. Yes, you can lease virtual instances in the cloud and game on them and get a pretty good experience outside of things like Stadia and, and the cloud services like that. So, but it also does depend on your internet connection and your regional proclivity and location to, or your geolocation to the hosted service that you're subscribing to. So keep that in mind. Perfect. Ryan, I think we already touched on this a little bit. For $2, he says, if that is the bourbon barrel, it's around 18%. Yep, uh, and someone actually confirmed it is 17.3, the, the version that I have. And, and let me tell you, it does not taste 17.3. You're in trouble. This is a in fine, fine beer. <laughs> uh, keep going. You got it. All right. Hey, Spy Guys Gaming for five bucks. Thank you so much. He says, I have been having issues with my i7 3770K and 1660 Super System, mainly stutters and HD disconnect. What is a good upgrade for around 300 or less? Unfortunately, nothing right now. <laughs> CPU and, upgrade, that is. Uh, well, GPU upgrade, nothing. Uh, CPU upgrade, there are some options that you can get out there. Um, honestly, I would try to score myself a Ryzen 3600. Uh, it's $199, and then find yourself a B450 motherboard and 16 gigs of RAM, 
you're going to be looking probably all in right around the $400 price point, but that would be a very excellent match for a 1660 Super. Alternatively, if you'd rather go Team Blue, you can go with the i3-10-100 or the... Actually, I'd, I'd probably stick with that if your use case is only gaming. Uh, so the i3-10-100 or the i3-10-100F, they are four core, eight threaded chips. They turbo up to, gosh, what is it? 4.6 gigahertz or 4.7. Uh, they're not overclockable, but they will kick the living hell out of the 3770K. Uh and uh, get you to where you want to go as far as CPU performance goes. So that's my recommendation is either one of those. Um, shout out to our mods. Rev deleted a comment that was not a super chat from Boozy the Clown before I could read it. So cheers to you. I ain't even going to touch on it. We can, talk, we can talk about it in the Discord. Super secret Discord for only $1 a month. Uh, big, big spoon. Yeah, Boozy's been... been uh, trolling for a little bit there so yeah yeah he trolled and i almost i almost went off on him anyway uh 86 likes versus 260 people click the like button thank you big big spoon Heck yes click the like button thank you spoon that's like the most constructive thing you've super chatted <laughs> <laughs> okay maybe not maybe that's a stretch but uh mod dog 66 five bucks hey jeff just want to say thanks for all the great content you are the reason i got into proxmox and virtualization cheers cheers to you mod dog 66 it is you and your super chats That's god, why we... god bless your credit card <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say it jeff did so it makes it okay um one more then we can get to a story darren orange two dollars once more thank you again up for a collaboration with the educated barfly anytime he wants to do one i am totally up uh educated barfly i could go cocktail chemistry i could go greg from how to drink any of you guys want to do anything um i am totally up for whatever you're down for uh in fact in 2020 i when I was looking at going full-time, I was looking at doing a little bit of a tour uh, and hitting both a couple of tech tubers and a couple of uh, of bar YouTubers and doing a couple collabs on like like this nationwide, like get on a plane, hit New York, get on a plane, hit Texas, get on a plane, hit Nebraska, hit Colorado, and then come home or Washington and then come home and just like try to like line up these collabs so I could do it over the course of a week. And... Uh, for the foreseeable future, I ain't getting on no damn plane. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Why? But, is there something going on? But that was but that was something that was in my brain of like, this would be a heck of a lot of fun. And and something that would be overall fairly inexpensive to do to to get able to be able to get out there, get in touch with some more creators, and, and just have some fun. And uh, yep. as soon as this whole thing is over. I'm going to be doing that. Uh, I, I'm going to be flying around and, and shaking hands. And I feel like YouTube is just going to go insane after everything just calms down a little bit. Oh, yeah. We, as And I've said this before. As much as some of the tech YouTubers like to complain about CES, about what a grind it is, and trust me, it, uh. is, a, it, it is a grind, but it's also a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like, I don't go to that many trade shows. Mm -hmm. I loved hauling your stuff all around. It was <laughs> it was fun. I loved like... having you haul my stuff around. That was great. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it was it was such a good time, and man, I mean, everybody's in a pretty good mood. Everybody's got the same gripes, you know. I loved it. Uh, Darren, the the moral of that story is you should go and uh, hit up the Educated Barflies comment section and, and make sure that they know that yep. we're, we're down. Okay, one more, Jeff. Then we got to get to a story, for God's sake. All right, one more. Sisdrum, Sisdrum just dropped $20, so we have to say it. Tastes like a Texas bar fly kind of day in tech. You know, yeah. Um, I, I will say uh, I spent... There's a couple of places that I've spent some time uh, that, no offense, but I don't really want to go back to. Uh, one of them is don't Phoenix. Say Dallas. One of them oh. is Phoenix. The other may be Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, yeah. We uh, well, technically, I was in Arlington, but yeah, you can you just like down. like King of the Hill, right? Um, but uh, it was hot. It was miserable, and the places that I was hanging around were all the tourist sites, and so things were just ridiculously expensive, and uh, and I really wasn't just a fan in general. Now, the events that I was at, they were pretty fun. Uh, went to QuakeCon uh, and, and had a lot of fun, although I was part of the Modders, Inc. team at that time, and, and I had to drive the, the U-Haul around. And then the GPS took me on some bizarre way that took me like six miles outside of where I needed to be. And my cell phone died. And it, it was a whole mess of like, like I should be sitting in a, it, I should be sitting poolside with a martini right now. Instead, I'm baking at 105 <laughs> in the front of a U-Haul eight miles from where I'm supposed to be with no cell service. Like, so no offense to the great state of Texas, but that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, and then secondly, Phoenix. F Phoenix. Uh, somebody somebody has a super chat. They said, uh, Michael says, what happened in Phoenix? <laughs> what happened in Phoenix? Uh, so the airline that I was on, uh, we were supposed to catch the last connecting flight from Phoenix to Portland going out that day. And I was flying from uh, somewhere back in the Midwest. And the flight from the Midwest was delayed almost four hours because of mechanical failure. And so they had, they had loaded the plane with all of our luggage, and then they had already seated first class and women and children kind of thing. And then they said, wait, 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 hold on. And they stopped loading. And we waited there for an hour. And then they said, all right, everybody off. And they got everyone off the plane and they started unloading the luggage. And then they had to get a new plane, which took another couple of hours to go through pre-flight checks and everything else and then get all of our luggage back in and then finally board us. But they said, long story short, this was our fault. You're going to miss your connection flight. We'll put you up in a hotel. And so the hotel was great. They put us up in the Grand Hyatt in Phoenix. Uh, we had uh, basically a free bar tab. And so we could go down there and just say, yeah, just charge this to the airline. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. But we had like <laughs> vouchers that's like, here, this is good for $300 in whiskey. That was totally fine. What well, sure was it was meant for dinner, but knowing you, it was it, it, it was, was a liquid dinner, a Manhattan, an old fashioned. There was a lot of there was a lot of liquid. Not was so much the bar substance. any good? At least the bar was fantastic. Like I imagine at the Grand Hyatt, it's got to be right. Right, like I stayed on the twenty sixth floor. I had marble countertops in my room. I had a California king bed. Like what is there to see on the twenty sixth floor though? When you're looking out the window, it's a lot of flat. I've never been to Phoenix, so I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I was just I was just curious. No, Phoenix that. was just like houses for as far as you could see, 
and then a couple of like what I assume businesses and four-story buildings and then a mountain range in the background. And that was Phoenix. Yeah. And and I call it mountain range as someone from the desert would call a mountain range, not like someone oh, yeah. from Oregon would or Washington would call it. Like a well, like range. what you see when you're at Vegas. Right. It yeah, it's very similar landscape. Uh yeah. although Vegas has taller mountains. Oh. So because Vegas is kind of that in that little depression right there with, yeah, with yeah. legit some mountains on the outside, you know, some some good fifteen thousand footers. Phoenix was like three thousand foot. So it's oh, like gotcha. the, the horizon had it a little whoop before it went to black. Gotcha. <laughs> that was it. It's, um, it's like it's it's like the foothills. Over now, here. overall, Phoenix was like, I enjoyed the hotel stay. I enjoyed the accommodations. I have no qualms with that. The problem with Phoenix was I landed in Phoenix in August. And I landed at 10.30 p.m. And when I got off the plane at 10.30 p.m., it was 107. And it had cooled down to a paltry 99 when I got up from my flight at 4 in the morning. So, Jesus. <laughs> but Jeff, what everybody wants to know, what about but the people of Phoenix? But it's a dry heat. What about the people of Phoenix? The three that I met were lovely. Good. That's all they wanted to hear. That's, that's good news. from a purely heat perspective, I never want to go back to that godforsaken place. That's because you're an Oregonian, Jeff. That's exactly right. Okay. We're used to temperate winters. We're used to temperate summers. Yep. We're used to four seasons. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's uh, no, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. The only time I've been to, to Arizona and I can't see the sun. That's not right. Oh, that's messed up. Right. That's 99 up. and the sun hasn't risen yet. That's messed up. The only time I've been to Arizona, I went to last stop, Arizona, which is many people might know is just a couple hours drive from Las Vegas. Yep. I went there because, uh, well, because the, uh, Powerball, was like a billion dollars and you can't buy lottery tickets in las vegas (laughs) so i went to a gas station called uranus gas and i bought like 10 lottery tickets and no i didn't win otherwise i'm I'm sorry they 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 renamed uranus in 2275 to be done with that joke once and for all what's it called now (laughs) you wrecked them (laughs) i love futurama (laughs) Uh, uh, that kills me um so sounds like this is the the super chat show well you know what actually the only other super chat that's on here it it can wait a little bit it's a question to me and it might it might we'll we'll tell you what uh so ryan five dollars what are some of your favorite beer styles we'll finish the show with that but let us get through the last couple of news items here yeah and uh, we only got two more stories if i'm not mistaken yes uh so let me here uh, so first off, Tank Array, baby. Yeah, Tank Array. Uh, there we go. Tank Array has launched a zero percent gin. I, for one, can't wait to try this. Me too. Uh, now, a lot of people kind of, you know, raise an eyebrow at like non-alcoholic beer and things like that. And for the most part, you're right. Why? I mean, for the most part, you're right. I've had some horse crap when it comes to non-alcoholic beer. I've had some lagers that are atrocious. I've had now there's a couple there's a couple of non-alcoholic beers that I genuinely enjoy, and I keep keep on how uh, uh, Klaus Holler, uh, Klaus Staller, I, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, they're a German company that makes 
non-alcoholic beers. They make an IPA that's off the chart, like hoppy and, and fruit forward and what delicious. They're great and, and they're refreshing and they're 0%. Um, but there has been a noticeable lack of 0% spirits, likely because it's kind of hard to distill a spirit and get 0%. Um, but Tanqueray is launching its gin as a 0% version. And I will say, whenever I'm in the mood for a cocktail, but either don't want a cocktail or am unable to have a cocktail, I will usually try to emulate gin drinks. I will do yeah. uh, ginger beer. I will do uh, cranberry and ginger. I will I will do things like that that kind of evoke some more you know, aromatics and things like that, that I'm used to in a gin. Uh, you know, l little lime in your cranberry juice, little this and oh, a yeah. little of that. Things that remind you of gin cocktails that aren't actually gin cocktails. And so if I could get a 0% Tanqueray and if I could spend like $15 on a liter of it, and I, now I don't know the price point of this. If it's, it's 15 fi pounds. Okay, 15 for pounds liter. for a liter. That's, I think that's fair. If it's somewhere between for, 15 for and... 15 and 20 dollars which it sounds like it is for for a for a, a fifth of a zero percent tank array you know what i'm kind of on board for that yeah i am too you know this is the thing and, and maybe maybe somebody in chat could frame this better for me and change my mind but you know the the thing is about alcohol free drinks they are not they're not for the people that don't want it and mm -hmm. so, you know, we got we got Steve in here. See, I'm going to call you out. It's just pine water. Uh, Steve is trolling because Steve actually loves not Steve. a good gin. Steve, Steve's the wrong person to call out. I thought he said something else. I think I combined multiple things. No, no. Uh, El, El Polo Diablo said Tanqueray is just pine tree water. 0% um, Tanqueray is just pine tree water. You know what? And that's probably true, but also not what I thought he said. So I, I picked on Steve unfairly, but regardless. No, like, pick on Steve. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> screw you, Steve. I'm coming after you. Yeah. Um, no, me and Steve shared a shared a bed at PAX, so you know we're never gonna be able to. <laughs> I'm never gonna be able to fight. Steve I forgot way. about that. <laughs> By the way, was that not a glorious hotel room? Aside from the fact that you had to share a bed with Steve for three days, it wasn't even that bed. Steve was a great bed sharing partner. He it was, was a huge bed. Okay, yeah. so it's not like we were like, even better lover. <laughs> no, he was an excellent, generous lover he, he was a gentleman let me just say yeah no, uh, was. so so i i got us a, a room that was a three-room suite at, at pax and it was at a hotel that was about a mile away from the convention center had a spiral staircase going up to the master suite which rhett and steve shared and then there was a queen-size bed under the stairs that i slept in and then a convertible couch that john slept in and it was wonderful <laughs> we had a desk we had a bar we had a fridge it was awesome. we had it was great like if what I was a cool a, place to hang out. Like if I was a bachelor, that was totally the apartment that I would have rented. Oh, for sure. Especially in that location. It was you can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we cool. when we go back to PAX, I'm gonna I'm gonna rent that same room. I hope you do. Like it was like, you know, probably what? Like three quarter, maybe a mile walk from the convention center. Which right, wasn't right in between there. bad. Right. Which wasn't bad. And and the hills weren't that bad. I mean, we were still like five hundred feet up from the level of the convention center because Seattle. Uh, yeah. But uh, but overall, it wasn't 
that bad of a walk. No, it wasn't... I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a very stayed. pleasant location. It, it was, was right around the corner chill. from the hospital, so it was a pretty nice area. And... Yeah, it, it was really laid back. You know, we could go for walks when we weren't working and stuff, and, and there was a, a pretty decent market right around the corner where, where Steve found the Rainier Pale Ale just for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no. Anyway, the whole point I was trying to get into about alcohol-free drinks, alcohol-free uh, you know, beer, liquor, spirits. Yeah. Is that it's, it's really not for the people that want alcohol, right? right? It's, it's for the other people and, or maybe for those of us that want something that's a close approximation. It's not. And I kind of, I, I've been thinking about alcohol free beer and liquor mm-hmm. the same way that I think about alt text on an image in on Twitter, right? It's like an accessibility thing. Yeah. You know, if you view like alcohol free things as like an equitable aspect of of like the liquor industry like that's how you should view it it might not be for you but it makes it makes it more equitable makes it more accessible uh which is like the future so you know get on board with it it might not be for you that's cool it's definitely like not necessarily for me i've never had an alcohol free beer that i was just like this is what i want to drink all the time number one because well like the price point ain't right uh for me and number two it tastes ain't right for me either, but I would definitely try alcohol-free Tanqueray. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be for me 100 percent of the time, but right. I would and love to try it. I will try it. It might be crap, but at least I'll have tried it. But the thing is, like I said, when I when I want to drink, but I'm also in a position where I don't want to drink or I can't drink or something like that, like. It's lunch, and I've got to drive somewhere in an hour. I'm yeah. not going to slam a beer or have a cocktail because that's just irresponsible. I'm yeah. As much as I drink on the channel, I don't drink much in real life. Right. Ninety percent of my drinking happens on camera anymore, and that's really weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. everyone goes every time I see you, you have a drink in your hand. Yeah, that's by design. But in the name. But it doesn't mean sometimes I don't want to make myself a cocktail and I don't want to have a drink or a beer or something like that. But there are times when I'm having lunch and sometimes even breakfast. It's like, man, I could really go for like a rum and coke right now. It's like, no, you know what? I'm going to try to emulate a cocktail. And so I make a lot of mocktails around my house. I, I will throw a dash of bitters into my Coke. And yeah. and sure, the bitters are 47%, but four dashes ain't going to hurt you. And, uh, yeah. and it gives you a little bit of a spice and aromatic to your Coke and it makes yeah. it enjoyable. And, yeah. and I'll have a ginger beer with lunch and I'll, and, and I'll, uh, like I said, I do a, a lot of beer. cranberry juice because there's a lot of cocktails that are cranberry based and, and you get a little bit of that bitterness and drying Oof. and dryness of a cranberry. And especially when you start mixing it with ginger beers and, and alternative things, if I could mix a Tanqueray and, and, and cranberry or a Tanqueray and ginger beer and, and emulate you know uh um you know a, a gin mule and and have that with lunch and be zero percent yeah i am on board well you know and that's what's great and sometimes for me anyways like i realize sometimes i want a drink but when i really boil it down it, i don't want the drink i want to feel like like i want the ritual you know what i mean it's like i want the ice in the glass i right. want something that's fizzy i want something yes. that looks like like I don't necessarily want to get wasted. No, no it, it's not. about the experience and the aromatics and, and, yeah, and you know, and, and, yeah. and, and that's, you know, that's like the classic trademark of, of somebody who has a problem in a way, but like, 
<laughs> I, I think the very fact I think the very fact that there are options available to to us is proof that that that's what it's for. Sometimes you know it's like man, I used to always want to pop, but then I realized like you know everybody kind of gives me shit for drinking Lacroix, but man, like Lacroix scratches Lacroix. the same. Yeah, it's great. It scratches the same itch as like cracking a Seven Up or something. Right. You know, little little less sweet. Right. It totally does. I I crack club sodas with lime, and oh, and, man. and and that's and, my go-to like non cocktail you know what i mean like yeah no uh and and when i when i need a non-cocktail and but i want i want that experience like i said for me it's cranberry juice and ginger beer it, it's, that's, it's a, a, that's a good one it's a perfect one-to-one mix it's and, got a little you know bite to it. it's got beer. a little oh yeah yeah <laughs> no it, it, it's got just a little something something that kind of kind of wakes you up and energizes you and and gives you that sensation of i'm drinking uh you know some kind of a mocktail and it's it's good yeah. It's tasty. Regardless, Tanqueray has taken kind of a weird move here, and they deserve our support to see if it works out. So right. I will try it when it comes out, and I hope everyone joins us. All right. Uh, two more Super Chats. Uh, one that I really wanted to get to, Nathan, $20. Uh, I work for a low-voltage electronics company and have done YouTube for them. You being a family man have inspired me to make my own videos and try it for myself. If I can do it uh, for them, might as well do it for what I enjoy. Hey, that is that. fantastic. Uh, and Godspeed, my friend. If you do end up creating a channel, uh, send me a link. I will definitely check you out and I'll, I'll uh, help you out if I can. But uh, I started out as a family man and IT professional in the YouTube space and now it's my full-time job. And yeah. so if you want to give that a shot, it's not for everyone. It might not work out, but, <laughs> but Godspeed. Uh, and, uh, and, and I will help you if I can. Uh, I think the key thing is like just make stuff that you want to see. Right. You know, like that's like that's like the one thing. Like I remember when Jeff first started, it's like I didn't fully like understand like what Jeff was doing because <laughs> like you know as weird as that sounds, like you know I wasn't in the tech. You space want to do very YouTube well. and you're gonna open beer and you're just gonna like talk. Like is that I was the totally deal? down for it. I mean, you invited me. You had free beer. I was yeah. It sounded great. Right. But I didn't quite understand it because I wasn't well, a part of the free beer. I just had access to taps. <laughs> <laughs> John goes, way. son of a bitch, I knew it. What a pivotal place in my life, right? But right. The, the right. whole point, the whole point is that like Jeff was making stuff that he wanted to watch. And like lo and behold, mm -hmm. like there's two hundred thousand people that felt like they wanted to watch that degree. too. And I am all it opened my eyes. So, you know, do do what makes you happy, make what you want to watch, and there's gonna be two hundred thousand more people that want to watch it. So Right. No, I, I, I started this channel kind of on a dare from a couple of friends. I had a couple of friends who I was very close with and both of them, their lives took them in different, different directions at the same exact time. And uh, uh, they, they ended up both moving away and we weren't able to hang out literally two or three times a week anymore. And, and that was a, a, a bit of a shock to my system from having them as friends for like 10 years. And uh uh, so I was looking for something new. At the same time, my wife was six months pregnant with our with our youngest, and uh, I started looking at like maybe I want to start a YouTube channel. And and they said you should start a YouTube channel because we're tired of you talking our ear off about things that we don't care about. But I'm <laughs> sure someone wants to listen to you. And uh, so it was kind of on that advice that I went screw it. I know how to work a camera. I know. I know the basics of what I need here. You know, I've, I've watched enough YouTubers to know what 
not necessarily what the system is, but what's expected of a tech YouTuber and whatnot, but I can also yeah. throw my own flair into it. Well, and in tandem to that, you know, kind of with throwing your own flair and things like this, like one of the things that really like, you know, before I really knew you, one of the things that really struck me was just like how well you could hold down a conversation about almost any topic, you know. I hadn't really known Jeff. And this really touches in with Joshua Rain's super chat. How did you start being YouTubers? How did yeah. you feel starting and how long? Did you see the transition I was trying to make there and you it ruined it? It was beautiful. I'm ham fisting it because <laughs> Joshua deserves to have his $5 super Josh chat Josh does red. deserve to have his $5 super chat read. Um, you know, and, and um, I, I didn't really know Jeff very well. I met him through John, of course. And and the thing was, is like really shocked me. Just like how well he could hold down a conversation. The conversation went to many different topics. He held it like, I'm not like, you know, I'm I'm not like a, I don't know, genius on all topics on, on any, by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I love to be able to talk to people about lots of different things. And Jeff was there like every step of the way. Like, in fact, like ahead of me in many regards. And I was just like, dang, this guy could talk. And the first time, you know, I, I hit him up, we did a podcast for my show. We talked for like three hours. Yeah, his podcast was usually 45 minutes. We had three hours of footage and he ended up only needing to use two. And and split it into two episodes. And, yeah, uh, we did. And, and, and it was one of our first two-parters. Because yeah. it was just like, it just blew me. Like, I thought we were going to go. I thought like we, we would do some VR. We'd talk and me and Taylor would just like fill in the rest. And like, you were there every step of the way. Like no 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 yeah, I got you it, man. It I got me you. Away, you know and in in one of those ways that uh, only a, a bar conversation can be yes. you know I, I I can count on on both hands the number of times that I've had uh, conversations start like that or relationships start like that in a bar uh, <laughs> where you just start rolling you start riffing you figure out where their sense of humor is you figure out where their uh, where their expertise lies yeah. And then before you know, it, you got a relationship, and uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you the first thing about YouTube before I met Jeff. To be honest, right? <laughs> I didn't uh, even watch YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I started my YouTube channel kind of on a oh, dare. Jeff, I lost you here. Did I lose everybody? No, I I still see you. Are you good? Oh. Can you hear me? Is it your headset? Yeah, it was. Sorry. Okay, I, I got I you. Have... Okay. I, I hear you. I must have swiped my volume down. So sorry about that. Oh, no, no, no problem. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, so like I said, I started my YouTube channel on a dare. And I had, I had only ever done YouTube. Uh, I've done a couple of YouTube videos really to share with a couple of friends. And so I had done some drone videos and a couple of things like that. Like, I'm going I'm to go out and fly my drone and, and share that with a couple of friends. And so I posted them on YouTube. And uh, then I started getting into... Uh, virtual reality quite a bit and originally I was going to be a very VR centric channel but I realized very quickly there's a couple of people in the space who have already kind of dominated that and I didn't want to step on their toes at all I didn't want to be another player in that space um, at the time there was a YouTube channel called Tribal Instincts uh, who was the de facto if you want to see a game played and, and a headset reviewed he's who you go watch and in the meantime he's since retired uh, he's no longer doing doing YouTube videos. He did a uh, I'm I'm back stream for a couple hours uh, about a year ago, but uh, Tribal Instincts is one of the guys that got me started. Going, you know what i I can I can turn something around. I can make something out of this hobby that I do, and uh, because VR was to him just a hobby, and it was something that he enjoyed sharing with everyone else. And, uh, and I went, you know what, there's hobbies that I do and things that I do on the side that I, 
I would enjoy sharing with other people. And, but I also wanted to present them in a very professional way and a way that you would expect if you got onto YouTube looking for an instructional video. And so that was my whole premise to the show was let's, let's take a thing that maybe no one has looked at before and and I stumbled on the X79 motherboards and I went, the only reviews of these are in Russian and I don't speak <laughs> Russian and I doubt either of many of you do either. Screw it. Let's, let's build a workstation out of an X79 motherboard and let's see if that sticks. And, and it, it works stuck. immediately and it stuck. And, and you liked my first case review and you liked my first benchmark video and you even kind of liked my first my first keyboard review, all that one, although that one was less less well recepted, I I guess we could say. And then uh, I did a, a beer vlog, and that one was the lowest viewed viewed video for a long time until I did another video years later, and I deleted that video immediately. <laughs> um, but I've really never deleted any videos. I've I've only taken I think five offline because either I didn't like the presentation of them or the information changed so much that uh, the video was no longer accurate. Um, but I started the channel just going, why not me? Why not one more in the space? Why not a different perspective? Someone who's worked in the professional IT industry for the last 13 years who might bring a little bit different perspective. And I kind of found my people in the home lab community going, oh, there's more people that want a full server rack in their garage. Ooh. Uh, you know, like, and they found their person too. And that person happened to be me. So I appreciate that. And here we are. Absolutely. And we're all better for it. And we're all better for it. Right. We uh, we got one more story, Jeff, and then maybe we can get back to the chat and BS in a little bit. Yeah. That story is, it's about Sony. Yes. It says here from The Verge, Sony says more PlayStation games are coming to PC, starting with Days Gone. Uh, which is kind of cool in a way. Uh, Days Gone made by the uh, the band uh, Sony Branch Game Studio. They were also responsible for like the Siphon Filter mm -hmm. series in the early PlayStation which days. Which was great. I loved those games. Siphon Filter yeah. was so good. And Days Gone was really cool. I never played it. I always meant to. It's like a zombie survival game based in Oregon. And apparently... Uh, it's pretty accurate. Hopefully I'm not wrong about that. It, they showed some pictures of Oregon that looked like places that I had been some, some prominent Oregon landmarks, if you will. So that's really cool. Um, when pressed to talk about it, the, the simple fact of the matter is that by porting some of these exclusive titles to PC, they're making them more accessible to a wider audience, which means more money Sony finally realized if they compete on more platforms, they can get more money. Yeah. A la Microsoft discovered that 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, Microsoft has been banging that drum for a long time, but yeah. uh, I, I think this is a cool way to do it. You know, I'm happy to see some of these exclusive titles make it, you know, starting with like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which I've never played, but has remained like at the top of my want to play list for a long time. Um, and apparently the port was a little rough at start, but became better over time. Yep. 
Um, you know, if the ports are rough to start and become better over time, I'm all for it. I, I think that there is no reason that a game shouldn't be able to be played on a console as well as PC. The and thing is, once a game is ported to the PC, it will live forever. There yeah, is a, there exactly. will be a community that loves that game that will keep it alive. And, uh, that's always been, and, and especially there were, there's two generations of consoles that that's really difficult for. And that's the original Xbox and PS2 and then the Xbox 360 and PS3. Because during that time, consoles really had the upper hand as far as performance goes, at least at the inception of those consoles. Uh, the performance was better. The graphics were better. The, the, the environment and the, the fan base was better. Because PCs were in this weird transitional phase between older architecture and newer architecture. And the consoles were selling for a loss. So a $300 Xbox was actually a $600 Xbox, hoping that you would buy $600 in games to make them profitable. Like that's... Yeah, exactly. That was those generations of consoles. And uh, if for some reason you had a PC you often missed out on the exclusives because exclusivity was also key in those days. And so there's a number of games that as a PC and an Xbox owner, I missed out on because they were PlayStation exclusives, a la God of War, Last of Us. I still haven't played any of those games. Uncharted, there's also games on the Xbox that PC fan or PlayStation fans didn't get to cash in on. There's Gears of War, there's Halo, there's go down that list. Uh, but there, there came this time within the last two years or so that Microsoft said, why, when we own both platforms, when we own the windows environment and we own the Xbox environment, which anymore is a light version of windows 10 with a custom UI on it. Are we not just releasing games on both platforms? Why are we cutting out a profit share that could happen on the PC when we don't have to sell them any hardware and they'll exactly. still freaking buy a $60 game? Are we not selling them a $60 game for a couple hours of development time? Because it's just x86 hardware with X graphics on board. Yep. And someone at Microsoft finally listened and said, yeah, let's go ahead and make that happen. And so all of a sudden, the entire Xbox catalog started being ported over to the PC to pretty great reception. And Sony finally took notice of this and they ported over, what was the what was the, the first game they did? It's, it's even on good old games right now. It's DRM free. Sony released a DRM free game. Um, dang it, you're going to make me look it up. I don't know. What, you make me what look gen it is up. this? What are you talking about? It, this is a PS4 game. It's not Horizon, is it? Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay, sorry. Thank we you. were just talking about that. So the fact yeah. that you were confused, I was like, sorry. Eh, I don't know. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> so, so Horizon Zero Dawn was ported to the PC from the PlayStation 4 and is DRM free on good old games. And Sony went, you know what? That sold well enough. Let's do a couple more. Good. Why not? It's just money in our pocket at this point. There's some baller exclusives that should be on PC. I mean, yeah. Look, Red by the Dead, way, Horizon Zero Dawn is one of the next games I have on my list to dive into and, and play through. It's it's on mine too. 
Red Dead, I mean, was enough, you know, it, it got me enough. The exclusivity got me enough that I bought it on PlayStation. Uh, and there's a couple more, Spider-Man, things like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, man, you give me a, a PC port, I'm all about it. I'm going to be there. I'm, you know, um, I'm not abandoning. Sorry, console. sorry. All, all, all of a sudden we've got uh, Bundy, James, Andrew, Cirrus, and El Polo going, Horizon Zero Dawn? Was it Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We were just talking about it. That's why. But, uh, you know. Anyway, it looks like a great game. Yeah. Jeff, uh, I got to step away for a moment, but I, I trust that you're able to, to hold down I, fort. I can hold down the fort. I, and then uh, I still I, got it. You know, that's got the it. last of our story. So then, you know, perhaps we can get into some BS for a few minutes before we wrap this up. So I'll be right back. Absolutely. Not a problem. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we're pretty much into Q&A at this point, unless there's something that I'm missing. Uh, did we have? Sony. We did. We did have one more story. Uh, and that is that Peacock, the NBC streaming uh, service has ordered a Frogger competition series. And those were three words that I did not expect to string together in 2021. Uh, They have ordered essentially a streaming gaming competition of people playing the original Frogger. Uh, challenges range from dodging traffic to leaping over snapping alligators to hopping over hungry hippos. Contestants will also have strategy and problem-solving smarts tested with these challenges to win a massive cash prize. So, game show style Frogger in 2021. Anyone got that for the apocalypse bingo? Because I didn't see that one coming. Uh, Darren wants to know, Craft Computing, how is the Z-Cam handling for you? I love my Z-Cam E2. Uh, in fact, so for those who don't know, this is the camera that brings you probably 85 to 90% of the footage on Craft Computing. This is my Z-Cam E2 Cinecam. And... I love this camera. Um, I I was hesitant buying it at first because I'm not a huge fan of the Micro Four Thirds system as a whole. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the sensor size. And it was $2,000 for a camera body that uh, had really good reviews, but at the same time, it was almost too good to be true. Like this was before the Z, the uh, the Pocket Cinema Camera 4K came out for the same price at twenty five hundred or two thousand dollars, and then later in the six K for twenty five hundred. Um, honestly, I will I will eventually upgrade to an EF mount and a six K camera and in a, in a Super thirty five size. That is probably the next upgrade that I have in mind, but. For the money that I spent on this camera, the quality that I get out of it is absolutely insane. And I love this camera. So, 
yeah, that's what I'll say there. Uh, Mark says, I have a new 5900X if you want it. Um, are you saying I just need to send you a PO box number or do you want to talk about this further? So yes, I'm interested. Let me know because I would love to throw down a Threadripper versus a 5900X or convert my workstation or convert a couple of workstations over to some different products. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Mark, uh, you can DM me on Twitter at Craft Computing. Uh, DMs are always open. And let's talk. Let's, uh, let's talk. Uh, Cirrus wants to know, 12K camera. You know, I looked at the, at the Blackmagic 12K when it first came out. EF mount, Super 35, ticked all my boxes. At the same time, I went, what does that give me that the 4K already isn't? And the answer was nothing. The answer was a little bit more crop factor. The answer was a couple of, of ergonomic features, but overall, nothing as far as end quality. Now, uh, Darren points out the Zcam E2S6. Trust me, I've added that to my cart no less than three times on B&H. But every single time I go, am I ready to spend three grand on a camera that's going to be the same return on YouTube? Because, well, YouTube already compresses 4K to hell and back. Do I really need a 6K camera? And the answer is no. I want one. Don't get me wrong. I freaking want a Zcam E2S6 because I think that's the perfect camera. I love the Super 35 sensor size. I know full frame is all the rage, but at the same time, my entire lens set is designed for Super 35. My entire lens set is APS-C crop sensors because I've sold all my better glass. Um, I'm kind of into it for Super 35 at this point. And going to a full frame would be exorbitantly expensive to replace all my glass. But I've got the Sigma 1835. I've got a Tamron 1750 F2.8IS. I've got a Tamron 10 to 24. I've got quite a few other lenses that would do very, very well on a crop sensor, but not on a full frame. So trust me, the E2S6 has been very high on my list to at least look at and has been added to my cart more times than I would like to admit, but I still haven't pulled the trigger. And that's because for YouTube, it wouldn't make a darn bit of difference. <laughs> uh, Sistrum sends another $20. Thank you, Sistrum. I love the game of Halem, uh, which is a Windows and Linux-based game. Yes, I've heard of that one. I have not played that one, although I, uh, I might give that one a look. And then Andrew gives over $5 again. Uh, going for broke. Anthem is dead. Bioware is killing it. Um, yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know, Bioware recently canceled an Anthem patch or an Anthem rehaul or overhaul that was going to re... Let me start over. Uh, Anthem recently canceled a patch to Anthem that was going to overhaul the entire game and dynamics and mechanics and everything and try to keep up with some of the other sandbox open game shooters. And they went, you know what? It's just not in it for us anymore. Um, and I don't know whether that was we want to focus on other projects or whether we don't see a monetary gain in focusing on this anymore. But at the end of the day, Anthem is pretty much dead in the water. Uh, so if you were an Anthem fan, which there are a couple of you out there, um, so 
Sorry. Yeah, can't say I'm surprised. There's a lot of games competing in that space right now. Um, yeah. Hey, and also to uh, to to Sisdrum, you'll have to tell me how. Uh, I don't know. You know, you'll have to you'll have to tell me if I should pull the trigger on Valheim. Uh, I know Steve says that uh, he wants to get it, but uh, I'm hesitant to pull the trigger because it looks like just kind of like every other survival game. Like I, I'm really big on like Conan Exiles and things like that. Looks really good on my friends' planet, so you know maybe that's enough of a push. But uh, I, I don't buy into trends very easily, and uh, this one kind of shot up really quick. Right. Um. Also, hey, let's go back and hit Ryan's uh, super chat from way back up in the in the way he said, "What's my favorite beer type?" Yes, let's beer get back style, into that. Rather, uh, why well, I, I can offer a brief answer. Uh, I don't want to shortchange it since we put it on the back burner. But you know, my favorite beer style probably uh amber ale i just uh there's something about the complexity of flavor that you can get out of an amber ale but i've verged towards malt and so um which means i kind of generally like darker beers you know i i think the the dark lagers and things like that you're going to see me leaning towards and then you know if you're looking at IPA versus other strong flavor beers, I'm going to lean more towards porters and sous. There's something mm-hmm. about dark beers that I prefer. I have no problem with hops necessarily, but in Oregon, the craft beer trend was kicked off by, you know, how hoppy can we make this beer, which yeah. is great, but it's not an arms race that I care to be a part of or care to lend my voice to. Um, you know, I, I love complex uh, flavors of beer, but I don't personally get that from hops. So uh, they wanted to know if this is the speed booster being used for my videos. Yes, the speed booster is the Viltrox uh, 0.71 speed booster on my 1835 Sigma. And it is a dynamite combo uh, for this this camera body. I would definitely like to straight adapt it to an E2S6 uh, because I think that would give me... <sighs> There's something about an adapted lens that is a little bit different from a native lens. And those who are deep into into lenses and hardware and bodies know what I'm talking about. Speed boosters are great in that you get a little bit more sharpness. You get a little bit less chromatic aberration because it's less noticeable once you compress the light into a tighter field. But there is always there's also something about the Sigma 1835 that is just freaking gorgeous when it's being captured on a native sensor. And that's kind of why I've looked at the E2S6 going, man, I would love to just throw this onto a native EF body. Uh, and, I, and I've looked at a number of different EF solutions for for this. I've even, I even have just a straight up no translation adapter, no speed booster, just a straight up EF adapter uh, to go to Micro Four Thirds. But my office kind of requires a speed booster because I need a little bit wider angle than what that can provide me. Um, but I love this body and, and speed booster and lens combo. Like it's it's phenomenal. Lead and Iron wants to know, how long did it take you to acquire all this equipment? Um, as long as you see until now and even further. Uh in fact, the camera you're watching on me on right now will be going to RET later this week as I have a new webcam coming in, hopefully tomorrow, that I have a new lens kit that I'm putting on there to use as my like vlogging and web style, webcam style camera. 
Uh, Rhett's going to get a little bit of an upgrade and will possibly be bringing you some more footage and more reviews in a little bit different style. So stay tuned. Hashtag second channel. <laughs> uh, how long did it take you to acquire the equipment? Yes. Uh, a long time. <laughs> uh, basically... For the first two years, I said uh, anything you donate to Patreon goes directly into new equipment and, and supporting the channel. And I really meant that. And I invested heavily into the channel, either through projects or through gear upgrades, through lighting or through cameras and lenses and whatnot to get the quality to what I thought was acceptable and passable for what a professional videographer should be displaying on YouTube in 2020. Uh, Darren says, you should also pick up the Tokina 11 to 16 EF F2.8. We use that plus the 1835 and the 50 to 100 Sigma F1.8. Um, <laughs> funny you should mention that lens because I have the Tamron 10 to 24, uh, which is an F3, which is an F45 to 5.6. Um, it's not the fastest of lenses, but it is super wide angle. I was looking literally yesterday and it added to my cart a Tokina 11 to 16 F2.8 for potentially the new webcam setup. However, I said, I'm not going to gain anything in this configuration from an extra stop. So I think I'm going to just pass, uh, because all it's going to do is serve as a webcam and if I already have a super wide angle lens, what's an extra stop amongst friends? And so I added it to my cart, but if someone wants to donate $200, I'll go pull the trigger right now <laughs> because I want the Tokina 11 to 16 F2.8. And I'm glad to hear someone endorse it because I really, really want that lens, even though I already have the F4 equivalent in a Tamron. <laughs> You all already, uh, you already enable his other bad habits. Okay, guys. I have not... bad habits, and you have no idea how deep Let, they let's, go. Let's not get this glass, this this <laughs> glass addict anymore. Problems here. Just one more hit. Come on, Red. <laughs> this is the last one I buy. I promise. Yeah, that's what you said the last time. And the time before that. I love that now that your salary depends on it, you're kind of getting on me. Like you don't need another lens, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> I, you don't? <laughs> so for those who don't know, uh, I've, I've recently hired Rhett on a part-time contract basis for editing videos and potentially creating content for both the main channel and a second channel coming up soon. So you'll be seeing more of Rhett. Get used to it. Buckle up. Yeah, buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up, kiddos. Yep. <laughs> Skull says, checks patron, Patreon multiplies by number of months. Wait a second. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of you who have been on for almost three years now. And I thank you. Uh, hey, by the way, welcome. my mods. By the way, God bless my mods. Skull, Rev, uh, ID Prom, Claw. You all deserve a heck ton of praise because not only do you moderate the Discord and the YouTube, you also pay to do that. And we've never discussed anything else. <laughs> so thank you. 
And not only that, but they do it with such class and style and are they like do. cool people to like yeah. hang out and talk with. They're people that I am more than happy to have a beer with after the show, which you can also have a beer with me after the show. If you join the Patreon or Float Plane, links are both down in the video description. You can take part in the Super Seeker After Party and the ever-growing Discord community over there by simply clicking on those links and joining. Uh, little as $1 per month gets you access to said Discord server, and it's a heck of a time. Yeah, Rev also says Funky Monk, and uh, oh, and it's one of those Monk. ones. Sorry, that hopefully you can forgive Jeff for not saying because it's it's fairly fresh. Yeah, Funky Monk's a recent addition to the mod team, but he was also the podcast monkey for quite a bit. In fact, he still has that that uh, group name on 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 the Discord. So to me, Funk is still a podcast monkey, but he's, is also a mod. He's but he's also hard. asleep because he's Irish. You know what? I'm so, glad you guys all mentioned him because he stands so far above the rest of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> who could forget Funky Monk? <laughs> yeah, who? Novella Hub over here says he thought the channel would be called Ret Alert. <laughs> Which is pretty pretty on brand now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> Love it. What's funny is I forgot to redo the OBS for this page, and so my screen is overhanging pretty badly. Yeah, it's, all right. it's all right. It's all right. We'll get what it there. Like... We'll get it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm overhauling my screen since this has become more of a temporary or more of a permanent arrangement from uh, doing in-person shows to remote shows. And I figured after 11 months of doing remote shows, I should probably polish up the Elkar screens that I made on the second show. <laughs> oh, they look great. Uh, that's how I roll here in craft computing. Uh, so the intro and outro that you she, that you, that you she, uh, little Sean Connery coming out here. Uh, <laughs> the intro and outro that you she, uh, I made that when I went, you know what? The first video did all right. I think I'll make a second video. And I've ran the same intro and outro on every single video since I created them in July of 2017. And I don't know that that's going to change because I think they're a little charming. I like it. Oh, they are charming. They're charming in their simplicity, and I love it. <laughs> uh, you, you'll get to know me. Uh, if you're new here, you'll get to know me as the YouTuber who does just enough to make it good enough. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Jeff, I hope you come to know me as the editor who does just enough to make it good enough. Well, I'm already the editor that does just enough, and I'm hoping to leave that world behind. Uh, I couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. Sistrum just bought oh. me a lens. No. Someone no said way. camera. Sistrum drops 200 US dollars. eBay.com. Oh, my God. I'm going to go to watch to items. <laughs> He's doing it on stream. I'm doing it on stream. Where is the 11 to 16? Hold on. (laughs) I can't believe that, Sistrum. Wow. I said if someone did it, I would buy it. And uh, there it is. $110. Buy it now. Tokina ATX Pro SD 11 to 16 millimeter F2.8 IFDX. 
uh, for Canon EF mount. I was looking at this lens for a long time. I had it added to my cart and then I declined. I'm going to say buy it now. No thanks. I do not need the $24.99 one year protection from Square Trade. Are you sure? I'm going to say use my PayPal balance, ship to my P.O. box, and confirm. Wow. I guess you're going to have to show that on the next stream just so his drum knows. Paid. Your order is in. You should It should arrive Friday, March 5th. So it may not be in next Wednesday, but you will see it the Wednesday following. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at March 10th, Sisdrum. I hope to see you back. Sisdrum, I thank you. Because uh, I did want a little bit more shallow depth of field, but I was, wasn't willing to pay $200 to get it when I already have the wide enough angle lens to go on my new webcam, which, by the way, is a Zcam E1. Uh, I found one for $350, buy it now, and they are so rare anymore after they sold out for $200, uh, which I'm really mad I didn't buy one at the time because I really thought about it. Uh, but I found one for $350, buy it now, that was a store model. So it was a, like, sat on the shelf and like, this is the Z-Cam. Would you like to take a look at it? And they said, sure. And then they said, no, I don't want to buy that. And they gave it back. But it's a great webcam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I finally bought one, uh, but I was just going to, so I have two different speed boosters for micro four thirds and they're both 0.71. I have the Viltrox that I use on my Zcam E2. And then I have another one, which is a Comlight, which didn't have as great a lens compatibility, but I was, I was going, you know what? I'm just going to throw a different lens on there anyway. I might as well just use that on the Zcam E1 and then give this camera to Rhett so he can start shooting some stuff. Um, <laughs> so you just made my night. I, ju I just bought a Tukina 11 to 16. You guys feeling this glass junkie over here. And what's, what blows my mind, the super chats just start pouring. Uh, afterwards. <laughs> Give me more. By the way, he says, he says, don't show it on stream. Well, he didn't say that. He said, just show it in the discord. That's what he yeah. said. No, I, uh, so I will, uh, I, I will screen cap this right now. Oh, nice. Good idea. Good idea. <laughs> but uh, Nathan Glancy over here. Oh, wait, you're just going to freeze me? There we go. Snipped. Huh. Start minimizing videos in the process of doing my outro, unless Rhett has something else he would like to say. We got, we got to hit these super chats real quick. Yeah, hit the, hit, the, hit the rest of the super chats. Just signed up for Patreon. Been a lurker for uh, over a year. Drinking some Yagata Horchata by Prairie. Hey, cheers to that. Uh, cheers to you. Uh, we're going on to Corey Gibson. That could have been a bonus for Rhett. Here's five bucks. Corey Gibson, I know. Let the sympathy super chats roll in, please. Uh, Rhett is I... <laughs> getting my Sony ZV-1. I think he'll be all right. Uh, He's going to make it through this ordeal. Although, thank you for the sympathy. No, I, need I haven't even told Rhett I'm building him another computer yet. He hasn't said that. Damn, he's saying it live on stream. Y'all better hold him accountable for this. <laughs> I have a system planned. You're going to love it. Uh, those are the words I like to hear. You know what, Sistrum? Oh, by the way, your that. new monitor is right here, too. Oh, you you patting that box? Patting I'm patting that, that box. box. 1440p, 165 hertz. Get used to it. Yeah, spoil you don't even me. know what you to say. Me. You know what I say? I say thank you, Corey, for the sympathy. But, uh, you know, 
Jeff's just got my back a little I'm, bit. I'm here. treating him all right. And he's he's not like the old mine boss of the of the nineteen twenties. I, I got a business to run. You understand? It is a business. It's a business. Uh, but I still treat my employees right. So he does. I appreciate that. Ryan Critchfield says, "Sistrum, are you mad?" <laughs> I don't know what Sistrum is. He's a baller. I like Sistrum. Baller. He is welcome anytime. And then because uh, he feeds my glass addiction. <laughs> then drwtsn32 says, "Sistrum, awesome. I wanted to, but too many projects. Thank you." Uh, so it sounds like there are some people <laughs> who. Uh, who wanted to support you, Jeff, but uh, got other things going on. So Sisdrum had to step up to the plate. He represented he the many out there. So cheers to Sisdrum. Uh, that, that's incredible. I, um, I Now, I will say I, I still feel a little bit guilty that craft computing and, and talking heads by extension is becoming a little bit of a... This is a pet project and an a, a obscure part that I've always wanted to buy. Do you guys want to buy it for me? And someone will. <laughs> But out of 208,000 people, one person inevitably does. I just want you to know, I feel bad. <laughs> I do. But I'm also super excited to finally get my hands on a Tokina 11-16 to and the Galax 1070 Katana and a GPD Win 1 and a GPD Win 2 and all of the other hardware that has poured in in the last couple of months that will eventually make it to screen. Um and Look, uh, he, he feels bad, but rest assured, he's going to put it all to good use. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's going to good use. Like I said, uh, hopefully next week, if that lens shows up in time, you'll actually see it on the next live show. Uh, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Zcam E1 this. with a Comlight speed booster with a Dukina 11 to 16. Oh, I'm in heaven. Listen to him, Heaven. Guys. Sounds like he has a problem. Sounds like he has a problem. Look, guys, I'm we better sign off before sunshine. before one of you. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching episode 172 of Talking Heads, but it is 26 past the hour. We are well into after show territory, so I've got to call it quits right now. If you like the content you see on this channel and want to help support me in what I do, consider joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Links are both down in the video description below. And as always, thank you so much for joining us every Wednesday night here on YouTube on Talking Heads. This has been episode 172. I'm Jeff. He's Rhett. We are signing out. Join me in the after party over on the Discord if you have the opportunity. And as always, we will see you next week. Although you could also listen to us in podcast form over on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found.